Welcome to Biblical Brainstorm, the Seth and Chandler podcast coming to you out of Jacksonville, Florida and Dallas, Texas. Uh, for those of you that are viewing, you can see our names, but I'm Seth and this is my man and Chandler. This is Chandler. Yep. Oh, yeah. And uh, we got some good content for you guys today. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to really, be going really over. Good. Oh, this yeah. Like... This stuff, when you um, kind of going back to the first episode, I know you had mentioned uh, you did a Bible study last year and this some of the stuff we're going to go over you mentioned in that Bible study and like you said it's some good content it blew my mind so uh, yeah I know for me it was interesting hopefully it's interesting for you guys but uh, yeah so we're going to be going over some uh, pretty juicy stuff today so <laughs> hope you guys yeah, uh, enjoy but yeah we're leading into Good Friday um, so obviously it's this Friday uh, this is our first episode which isn't technically live this is a pre-recorded uh thing so we're yes. we're doing it the day before uh but we'll still stream it i mean you're obviously seeing it right now live on tuesday night um but yeah well usually they'll be live uh like but for today um we'll just, i'll see if i can still interact with your comments and stuff um but there was just a scheduling conflict here so we won't actually be able to pull up your comments for this episode right now um but it'll still be pretty good so we still love you guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, also, if you do have questions, we do have a Q&A episode coming up. I think it's April 20th. I mean, it's coming. Check there. Coming soon. Yep, so April 20th, as of now, we have a Q&A episode. And um, so save your questions, whether it has anything to do with Easter, Good Friday, all the stuff that we've been talking about for this mm -hmm. first five episodes um, or not, or it's just if it's random, that's okay, too. So if you have questions, uh, we'll have a full Q&A live stream for that that you guys can uh, you know, put oh, your yeah. questions in there and we can pull up and hopefully answer them. So, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, how's things with you, by the way? Good. Uh, you might, some people might see I'm a little tired. Uh, you know, <laughs> school, I'm nearing finals week uh, for, you know, my classes in grad school. And then, nice. yeah, work is, you know, work is it's it's work. work. <laughs> it's, it's work. So yeah. I'm getting oh, getting yeah. through, but, uh, you know, summer's coming. So we're, it'll be exciting because then I can devote more time to stuff like this. So, yeah, yeah it's really exciting. That'll be good. Yeah, I know today I, uh, or yesterday for our, um, for Palm Sunday, uh, we had a worship night. So uh, usually I work at Amazon, I work night shift. So, uh, on the weekends. So on Sunday mornings, I'm just coming home from work and I just go to the church, get stuff set up and go there for worship and service and everything as usual. And on a normal Sunday, I just go to bed at like three or four in the afternoon. But since we had a worship night, I came home early, took a nap, went to the worship night and everything. And then I uh, was up kind of late just because I had slept. So kind of kind of my schedules as well. Yeah, my schedule's been a little wacky. So today I uh, had some pre-workout because I went to the gym, so that helped. Uh, you know, legal crack, I guess. <laughs> and uh, then, of the course, CO, I can't... CO4 or whatever it's called. C4, yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, C4, CO4. I do, I do like, for those of you that do work about. out, <laughs> for those of you that do work out, the pre-workout that I really like and I'd recommend, um, um, Lit, Lit by Beyond Brawl. Which is a GNC brand. We're not sponsored, by the way. So. We're not sponsored. No, I just <laughs> <laughs> we're not sponsored by GNC, unfortunately. But if you're looking for a good pre-workout, uh, try Lit. It's uh, it's good stuff. Well, hey, if we just name. like get, take the next two years and get jacked, then maybe like you yeah. know, it'll be a little brainstorm sponsored by GNC. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for the podcast, what keeps me going, I just got some uh, K-Cups and I got coffee. So yeah, I did I used to work at Starbucks up, so. and uh, I always go for Starbucks coffee. So I got Sumatra today for those of you that like Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I don't even so. know what that is, but. It's good. I don't it's drink coffee stuff. that often, so that's that's <laughs> my um, lack of knowledge in pre-workout. Because like, <laughs> even when I played sports, yeah, it, uh, it's just, I just I didn't even start taking it till after I got done with uh, football and everything, which it probably would have helped me play better if I took it while I was playing. <laughs> so I know a lot of other people did. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. I've even I, I even just, witnessed people snort it before. So <laughs> man, just we had some crazy yeah. teammates. Yeah. I just didn't oh, like yeah. the fact that it's like if my heart's racing a ton before the yeah. workout, like I just felt like it's not good for me. Um, yeah. And I just go into the workout and I just feel like I'm not. That's what I was worried about. Like I get too stressed out. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> for going to the gym, though, it works. I don't know about football. Yeah. I can't speak on experience from that. But, <laughs> but so, yeah. Uh, yeah um, so our first two episodes are on Spotify. Um, yes. And of course, it's on Facebook and YouTube as well. Um, our second episode is a lot better quality than the first one. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the second one and the information, like we went over some uh, really cool stuff. So I'll just even yeah. kind of pull up the that. So the second power in heaven, that was our second episode. Went mm-hmm. over a lot of Old Testament Trinitarian stuff that leading into the intertestamental period. So that's really cool. So yeah, audio, audio quality for me and I guess us is better. So True, yeah. I know more people have seen our first episode and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but yeah, I highly recommend you. Some of you guys, maybe you saw the first one, not yeah. the second, or you're just joining us now. Check out the second episode. It's a little long. Hopefully, that's our longest episode. We're gonna try to maybe keep this yeah. into an hour, <laughs> maybe half the time. Um, we say yeah, that time every time, flew by on that. Really try to. Yeah, I did have a lot of content. I kind of over prepared yeah. content, and so that's you okay. guys will see. Yeah, so for you guys' benefit, those who like scripture references and just you know. Hopefully we all like scripture, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't like scripture references for mine. No, just, if you really want to, <laughs> yeah, if you really want to see all the references and less us going deep into the content of kind of Old Testament Trinitarianism leading into New Testament Trinitarianism, mm-hmm. uh, check out that it's, it's specific with Jesus. But yeah, I mean we're leading into Easter and Good Friday, so we're going into that. So check out the second <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, this episode though is episode three, The Sacrificial Lamb. So going over, yeah, atonement, Good Friday, the cross, Jesus, a lot of that mm-hmm. good stuff. So we left off last week um, with how Jesus at the very end fulfilled Genesis, um, and he also fulfilled Exodus. And so today, you know, Seth will lead us into today's topic with how Jesus yes. fulfilled Leviticus. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Already, so um, like you say, we're talking about how Jesus fulfilled uh, Levitical stuff, and you know, I, I'll I'll go through um, you know what I know, what I've researched, and everything. I know this isn't all of the information that's out there. Uh, like I said, we want to try to, we don't want to go on for four for five hours <laughs> talking about all of it. So there's, and I'm like we said before, we're not you know 100% experts but we want to bring you you know the best content that we can bring so and we're yeah, like said, and this is, yeah and if you have questions like you said we got that Q&A so hit us with them but mm-hmm. um but yeah so how Jesus fulfilled Levitical law so in Leviticus it talks about how um there's animal sacrifices were instituted to cover up sin we had the priesthood set up we had 
all of the uh, laws for people to live their lives by the moral law, the um, sacrificial law, and you had the um, all the stuff of like you could could and could not eat certain things, and you could and couldn't do certain dietary things. And, yeah, dietary. That's the word. <laughs> I was trying to trying Same to think of the word for that one, but. And we're just talking about working out too, and I didn't think of diet. So, <laughs> also, you know, but, you said that, um, you know, like we can't go on for five hours with content stuff. But like, if you, if some of the, you guys are listening now and you're interested in like some of the resources that we like dig through, or like even mm-hmm. going deeper into a specific topic, oh, you can always feel free to message us, and we will send you yeah. extra things like journal articles and books and all this stuff. Like, with, yeah. especially when I went through the second power in heaven stuff last week, I have like some really good over mm-hmm. 100 page stuff resources on that which i had to i couldn't even get through all of it mm-hmm. for my own research but uh, also we, i couldn't just say all that in a single episode there's just so much to talk about that i just had to oh, pick yeah. and choose certain things to talk about so if you're interested in a specific topic that we talk about on one of our podcast episodes and you want to go deeper into that and you don't know you know how to find certain resources or things just feel free to let us know and we'll send yeah. you some stuff to like do further reading or research on it so absolutely yeah, free. But yeah, so the um, I have a few scripture references for you guys, uh, so I'll uh, get to those in just a second. But so yeah, Jesus and the Levitical law and the connection with all that. So G- the the law, like I had touched on last week, isn't uh, Jesus being, or excuse me, it's not God being a jerk and putting all these laws for the heck of it on the Hebrew people. Uh, some people may try to paint it that way like it's unnecessary that or that that didn't all need to happen or it's kind of you know i don't want to wear crossing the line yeah (laughs) so it's and some of it was and a lot of it was contradictory to the times they lived in like with especially with like the food that jesus you know wanted them to stay away or keep saying jesus the food that god that god wanted them to stay away from technically yes but yeah (laughs) if you watched last Uh, week's episode right (laughs) yeah so um so yeah, like the dietary restrictions were um trying to think it's they weren't bad. I mean they were healthy, you know, dietary restrictions and it really benefited them, but it was very contrary to the culture they were in and what everybody else around them ate. And um Canaan was, liked their pork. Yeah. <laughs> and uh all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's people that have done um you know studies on the diet and everything and Really, it does. There is. It does make a difference as far as like what's with it being you know a healthy diet if you choose to you know live by it now. But mm-hmm. uh, not totally necessary. But we'll talk about that later. But like with all that stuff, you know, God set it up and God outlined it and everything. And the purpose of it was to show inherently our inability to be holy on our own and our inability to. Um, you mean I can't be holy on my own? Yeah, you know, I hate I hate, hate to break it to you on live TV, but <laughs> but yeah, it's, oh, it, it just it shows that it's we have just inherently, um, you know, inherent sin. We don't have we're born into sin. It's just uh, it's in our DNA, so to speak. We can't be holy on our own. We can't be you know spiritually pure on our own. It's um, it's just something that's in us. We can't do anything about it. And it shows that we need help, which is what the animal sacrifices and all that stuff was for. And a lot of the other, other things with like the moral laws and the dietary laws, um, like the dietary, I believe was more for just helping us out 
physically as people just to keep us healthy and safe and keep us from getting sick and that kind of stuff. So that was more of a, you know, God looking out for the Israelites kind of thing, I believe. And um, not that pork is demonic. It's just <laughs> at the time, it probably yeah. wasn't the cleanest meat to eat. <laughs> so yeah. and, I remember uh, reading something about like uh, certain bacteria like that yeah. were in pork, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, we discovered much later how to properly clean it and make sure, you know, it doesn't have. So, but if you think about it, porks or porks, pigs, <laughs> pigs eat <Porks>. uh, <laughs> leftover and scraps and garbage and stuff. A lot like how, you know, shellfish are like the bugs of the sea. Feeders. Yeah. So really it's not a bad idea to not eat them. Not that you can't eat them. That's up to you. Mm-hmm. It's just when you think about what they're eating and you think about the whole yard, what you eat theory, <laughs> you know, you're not eating the cleanest meat out there. So when you look and at, think, you know, some of the other animals that ate grass and grain and that kind of stuff, that's a little better than eating garbage and bottom feeding. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think we were talking about it too. You like, we were both saying that, you know, it's funny how a lot of people like even Christians and atheists, they'll like dog on the Bible and dog on the, yeah. you know, the dietary laws. It's like, how ridiculous oh, yeah. are these dietary laws? Um, yeah. But then out of the same like you'll see people, especially outsiders, like criticize the Bible and criticize things mm-hmm. like that, the Levitical law. But then the, you have a lot of this veganism movement and, and right. vegetarian movement that's like telling us, hey, don't eat pork and don't eat, you know, and then they yeah. gravitate towards these subgroups. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with, you know, it's like, say, if you wanted to be a vegan or vegetarian or stuff. As long yeah. as it doesn't become its own like idol, but religion, yeah, uh, yeah, religion <laughs> or gold. It does yeah. kind of turn into that in a lot of cases. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. but like as long as you know, it, yeah. you're basically adopting what the Old Testament had, you know, in some respects, certain yeah dietary laws. Yeah, I, mean, I believe I believe the it, still yeah. yeah. I believe the dietary law was more of just looking out, God looking out for the Israelites, trying to keep them healthy and safe and that kind of thing, and then you had the. Um, you know, the sacrificial law, which was to cover up sin. And then you had the moral law, which was to combat the pretty, pretty bad morals of the day with the people around them. It was pretty rough, <laughs> not too dissimilar from, you know, the contrast between Christianity and just, you know, secular morals right now. But, um, might've even been worse in some respects. Yeah. <laughs> cause then, cause you know, back then you had the, in some cases, human sacrifice, you had um, uh, sexual acts being done as a form of worship to other gods. Um, you had all these different pantheons and different gods that required different things for worship and all that. Very and it was under your house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember hearing somebody talk about um, in Jericho, they're excavating Jericho and they found jars with... Um, human bones in them and they were either i think they were like infant bones too and so they were like buried in or part of the construction of the walls of jericho which um not only symbolically why you know god wanted the walls to come down just to show that it was you know his city and we're taking over kind of thing but also breaking down the walls that had infant sacrifice remnants in them and that kind of stuff so so when you think about like all the laws of all these other religions and stuff that they were combating at the time, you know, you can see why it was necessary to have all that stuff too. And a lot of the, you know, the, the heart and the um, motivation and the principle of what they taught is what we take out of it now. 
and we don't, you know, stone people anymore and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, we may get into some of the more finer points and details of that in another episode. But, um, so yeah, there's, we practice it differently, but they were, you know, set up for a reason and everything. And like I said, it was to show that we can't be wholly on our own, that we can't be inherently pure and sinless on our own. It's something that, you know, we need help from somebody and that somebody was Jesus. He just hadn't come yet. So it was all pointing to him and it was all uh, laying the groundwork for him to come and save us. So I have a couple New Testament passages to talk about uh, the work Jesus did in fulfilling the law and that kind of thing. And this week, I know I always uh, show what Bibles I'm using because I have a bunch. But <laughs> so this week I have the Christian Standard Bible by Holman, but it's not just a Christian Standard Bible. It is a it's called a, the pastor's Bible and the, uh, the shepherd's Bible. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Oh, I mean, it's got uh, pastoral, you know, just basic pastoral resources as far as um, us. I think it has pieces of sermons in the back. Uh, it's got nice. articles to read on leadership and it's got different things like that in the back to just kind of read on. And then in the middle, it's got some different things for um, funerals, weddings, um, you know, different things that you perform as a pastor. So I was... Also- yeah, for my comment real quick, uh, you know, I just, it just occurred to me that maybe people don't understand. So my pastor shepherd, they're basically the same thing. So a pastor right, yeah, yeah. is what a shepherd. <laughs> so that's the word even for a pasture, you know, for right. sheep. Yeah. So if you ever wondered about the connection, that's the connection. Yeah. Pa- <laughs> so yeah, it's pastor. So yeah, the shepherd's Bible. That'd be pretty cool if they called it that. <laughs> yeah, essentially but, the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it uh so yeah, it's got some cool resources in it. I had the benefit of growing up in a pastor's home. So a lot of these things, um, you know, I had an actual physical person to talk to, even if I didn't have the Bible, but there are a lot of new and young pastors that are um going into ministry that don't have that connection. So it's pretty cool that they came out with uh this resource to, you know, aid new pastors, young pastors and that kind of thing. But it's uh it's a pretty cool Bible. I mean it's got a nice feel to it. Um you know, it's pretty For those decent. of you interested in Bibles, yeah. my dad's really into <laughs> Bibles. Like he collects. I'm fine with mine. Like I have a really, really cool one, like the ESV Schuyler Bible. It's pretty. pretty I want to get. I want to get a Schuyler Bible sometime. Those are really. And really then I have like a small. I think what is it called? Pit Minion or something Pitman, like that. Yeah. But I really just have like I have two, and yeah. I'm content with that. This is like my home one, and then the other one I just smaller, so I just take it to church. I think I, I think you were meant to have that Pit Minion, or that might be some divine providence <laughs> that you needed to have that one, considering how you lost oh, it man. and it found its way back to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a story to that. But here, I'll show you just real, real quick, maybe. Okay. That, that's a story. <laughs> so that one I left. So <laughs> I left it in church, right? And so I. I forgot I left it at church and I have the other Bible that I use at home. So I, it just didn't occur to me, I guess. Like, I guess I thought I lost it, but I was like, oh, maybe it's in the lost and found or something there. So I didn't check the lost and found that they had there at the church until like a month or two after I lost it. Like, you know, just, yeah, yeah assuming. Uh, and apparently they gave, since it's, it was so long, like weeks, <laughs> they, they actually donated all of those Bibles to somewhere like like i guess to people that needed it and some <laughs> somehow that small one ended up in its way into 
like a Goodwill or like I don't know how like some some bookstore or something. Uh, when it's cra- crazy events, right? Like I guess it <laughs> found its way to a couple homes within a few months, and then somebody found it at like a Goodwill or bookstore or something, and then they sold it on eBay. And my dad, because he likes Bibles, <laughs> was looking through Bibles on eBay, and was like, "That one looks familiar." And he messaged the guy to see if like my name was in it because my name's in the because <laughs> he bought you that Bible, right? Yeah, as like yeah, a birthday okay. gift, which now I feel even worse. Like, <laughs> um, and he's like, "Oh yeah," and and everything. And I don't, you know, it's funny because yeah. the guy's selling it, but he didn't cross out my name or something like that, which is crazy. Probably a good thing though. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so he bought back the Bible. So he bought it twice. <laughs> so but you got it back. One, so that's oh, yeah, good. I haven't, I haven't lost it since then. I'm really like, I take care of yeah. that. It's like. <laughs> It's already been bought twice. I'm meant to have it, apparently. So it was so, bought with a price, you could say. Yeah, twice. Yeah. <laughs> just that's just crazy. Like it found yeah. its way back after months, the long lost Bible. Should write like a children's book about it or something. It's a prodigal son Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yeah. In a way. But yeah, so Bibles are cool. We like Bibles, or at least I do. And yep. Chandler's dad. <laughs> <laughs> So our first uh, scripture reference, uh, I got a few in the uh, New Testament. So our first one would be Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. For those of you that have your Bibles, if you would like to jump there with us, if you're not able to, or if you don't have it on your phone or anything, I'm going to read it anyway. So uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. Uh, And of course, you know, the heading of this paragraph is Christ fulfills the law. So let's get into it. Uh, Chapter five or 17. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill for truly. I, I tell you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. So Mm. I did not, or don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. fulfill. So he Jesus came to fulfilled. Yes. He didn't come to say the law is mean. We don't, we don't like the law. We don't read the old Testament. It doesn't matter. New Testament is what matters. That's what we read. <clears throat> he said, I came to fulfill it, not to abolish it. So hmm. that's important. Do you think um, this is a like observation question? Yeah. When you're reading that. Do you think that, since it says none of it, none of it will pass away, especially mm-hmm. since we still have the Old Testament, it hasn't in essentially yeah. passed away. And I haven't looked at anything. You know, this is just an observation question. I haven't looked at mm. any exegetical work on this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure it's out there. But do you think since we still have it that obviously not everything in the Old Testament is fulfilled yet? Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament. You know, to start with a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament that hasn't um, been fulfilled. And of course, there's a lot of, you know, the Old Testament just giving accounts of biblical figures and, and, you know, things that actually happened in history. And um, like it's not a history textbook, it's not a science textbook, but it gives accounts of important people and important um, stories that actually happened. Mm -hmm. And so there's that. I mean, you know, shows you know, the journey of, you know, everything leading up to Jesus and setting the stage for Jesus uh, as far as lineages and things like that too. Um, But yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of Old Testament passages that haven't 
or um, prophecies that haven't happened yet, like these, yeah. of course. You know, um, as far as the uh, Messiah, Day of that? the Lord. I'm thinking like yeah, uh, like maybe Second Coming stuff, like Day of the Lord motifs that. Yeah, because there's because the there's like the second. Jesus prophecies and everything, and there's like you're saying, there's the first coming and second coming. So yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's the uh, obviously his first coming happened, so those got fulfilled, and then second coming, like uh, back to what you were saying. Those are in the Old Testament, and they haven't happened yet. And there's a lot of the Old Testament prophecies that haven't come to pass yet. So the Old Testament is not obsolete, and you shouldn't ignore it. You definitely should mm-hmm. read it. And, and even if it all was fulfilled, I think it's still yeah, very, still important very to useful. know. Yeah, yeah, it's very salvation history and revelation. And history. I think there's a little bit of a resurgence um, coming to um, young Christians and Christians in general of the importance of the Old Testament. I've seen... Uh, some more interest in it uh, lately as opposed to before it seemed like everyone was like don't even pay attention to it so it, it like seems like there's more in Christian culture yeah. I think it depends what denomination too but like I'd seen some yeah. memes going around or not is, is it, it was in like a meme format but it was informational and it was just saying um, try doing this in your Bible study or whatever and it was going over the table of contents and they had someone like breaking it up with brackets and highlighting it and saying this is law this is history this is poetry you know breaking up what each old testament yeah, the genres. what the books are like yeah so it's cool. and that was and it was shared by like you know it wasn't like an old person thing like it was young people sharing it and you know that kind of people in our demographic and so i think there's a little bit more interest um coming back to it uh, and they're not all you know just forget it and only mm-hmm. focus on the new testament anymore I think yeah. that had been an issue and it still is a little bit, but I think people are starting to realize that the old Testament is still just as important. There's but, huge um, value. Yeah. I mean, it's scripture yeah. for one. And then yeah. also just, if you didn't, you know, if you haven't seen the second episode or what we're talking about to talk about today, it's like a lot of the stuff is, that we're even talking about is coming from straight from the old Testament. And then mm-hmm. the Bible of the disciples and the apostles that they were using was the old Testament. So it's like, they didn't have a Bible. The old Testament. <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't have a, bible per se like the new testament or like mm-hmm. what we have fully it's they're the ones writing these letters in the new testament about jesus and it's like the bibles they were using was the hebrew bible it was the, the scriptures of the old testament so and to kind of uh play on that or kind of um goes well with that what we were just saying is the next verse um that i got so the next one will be um, john chapter 5 verse 39 and uh kind of gels perfectly with what we were saying uh you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, yet they testify about me. So the scriptures he's talking about is the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a new, he was living the New Testament at the time and writing it as he lived, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so at the time he's talking about the Old Testament, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them and yet they testify about me. So Jesus is the fulfillment of not just the law, but of scripture. And like when we talked about last week, you know, with with the angel of the Lord, second power in heaven, the word, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, you know, Jesus is all in the Old Testament. You just have to put in a little bit of work and study. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, and it's not really, you know, Bible studies sometimes get a negative reputation, like it's boring and it's not fun, but. (laughs) Hopefully you you guys aren't bored out of this. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully our crowd doesn't think that, but. uh, I mean, if you're watching us for this long, that. Yeah, you know, you probably if you lasted this long, then <laughs> yeah. But then the next verse, conversations. Yeah, 
And then the next verse, verse 46, um, to go along with that, says, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. So yeah. in this context, he's talking about, you know, pretty clear. Yeah. Jesus was talking to um, Pharisees and religious leaders at the time and was saying, if you actually believed Moses and what he wrote, you know, you would believe me because I was the one who was writing about. I was the one he was talking about. So he was kind of pointing out their spiritual blindness, but also at the same time saying, you know, what Moses wrote about in the Torah was he was writing about me. So the Torah and all the narrative in there, he's talking about me. So it's, it's setting the groundwork for what Jesus is coming to do and what Jesus, what his mission on earth was. And um, yeah, Uh, another verse, second Corinthians, second Corinthians, uh, (laughs) <laughs> in uh, two Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians. In two, yeah. Some people say that. <laughs> in two Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. Which might be actually the fourth letter of Paul, because I think we're missing oh. the first two Corinthian letters. So maybe. And something that we may get on uh, that reminds me something we may touch on in a later episode where we talk about books of the Bible that aren't in the Bible or the apocryphal works or books that used to be in the Bible but weren't and that kind of thing. And how they decided um, on the canon of scripture. Yeah. Someone, uh, one of my professors had brought up at one point, um, what if we did find another letter of Paul's, uh, like a third Corinthians or or fourth? Yeah. Yeah. And now, and now we have, you know, and I think he was saying in second Corinthians, Paul writes like he's referencing, um, another letter he wrote them, but it wasn't first Corinthians he was referencing. Mm -hmm. So he was saying like, if we did find it, do we include it in canon or do we not, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah. It's interesting it, to think it, about. It covers two out of the three criteria for the canon. Yeah, so that's the only there problem. Were, there were three, and maybe <laughs> I think we talked teasing. about this before too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like teasing for maybe one of those episodes because there there were three main criteria for inclusion of the canon of books in, in the canon, and so if we found one that is authentic by Paul in that time and everything, that would fulfill two, maybe two of the three, but not all three. So. Thus yeah. wouldn't be included with scripture. But maybe yeah. you guys can guess that. But yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that another day. Yeah, that'll be a good one. That'll be a good episode just on that for sure. Because that, that gets pretty fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. But um let's see. Second uh, Corinthians see, 20. 20. Yeah, I'm just making sure uh the right thing. So yeah, Second Corinthians uh one twenty. And then I'll have one more after that, and then we'll talk some more about it. So, for every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. So, God's promises, you know, prophecy, God was promising, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus to us in the Old Testament, you know, fulfillment of the law and that kind of thing. Um, So, God's promises is yes. That one's pretty simple. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's like, are you for us or against us? No. I was about to reference it. Like, yeah, that was from the last episode, right? Yeah. The yep. part, yeah, last week. If you guys saw it, it's like the, the Joshua scene where Jesus shows up and it's like, are you with us or for, you know, for us or against us? It's like, no. Foe. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> doesn't huh? answer the question. Yeah. But that, All right, and then our, our last one, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 4. All right, so for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. So 
Christ is the end of the law. The law, once Jesus came, the law was done. He fulfilled it. Um, not abolished it, but fulfilled it. So there you go. There you go. So so those are some just some new different New Testament references for Jesus's fulfillment of the law and what they said about him fulfilling the law. Um, so to get on to some of what those uh, laws were, some of the things that he fulfilled, um, the biggest thing would be sacrifice, animal sacrifice, or more importantly, or more specifically, I should say, uh, blood sacrifice. So I'll pull up the verse now. I might not read it yet, but we'll at least uh, get there and you can just kind of hold on to that. Uh, Hebrews nine twelve. Um. Yeah, I pulled it up. So you got it. Just the reference, but not the actual verse. Gotcha. I'm just trying to. uh, Okay, here I got. So with the blood sacrifices in the Levitical law and everything, it was to like there's different animals you'd sacrifice for different sins. Um, You know, there was birds. There were, you know, four-legged animals, and you know that kind of thing. Um, I don't believe they sacrificed fish. That was the only thing they probably didn't sacrifice. Because <laughs> you were you were allowed to eat fish. It's just certain kinds of fish you couldn't eat. So, I mean, there was regulation on that. But I'm pretty sure they didn't sacrifice fish. That's I just thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you had different kind of animals you'd sacrifice. Goats, lambs, uh, different kinds of birds, you know, like doves, pigeons, that kind of stuff. Um, ox, too. Uh, good old steak. Um <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, there's different animals you would use to sacrifice for different sins and that kind of thing but the biggest thing with Jesus was he just kind of encompassed all of it and whereas the animal sacrifices covered up specific sins they didn't take it away they covered it up Jesus's sacrifice covered everything so it wasn't like he just covered one particular sin he covered all of the sins mm-hmm. and not just Once covered but time. removed them yeah. Yeah. So that's a big thing with the blood sacrifice was the blood of the animals and everything. Like the Day of Atonement, it was they sacrificed. Uh, I think it was a bull, right, red heifer, and um, that covered for the year. And it was pretty much it expired after a year. So you had to, <laughs> in a way, it expired after a year. Man, so there were just lots of bloodshed yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to come back. You know, every year Yom Kippur, uh, Day of Atonement. Uh, Jewish New Year, and That's which in our calendar atonement, justification, some of these theological terms yeah. we may reference, but we we'll probably explain that a lot whenever we you know down the road mm-hmm. of our systematic theology series. Yeah, but we'll probably reference some of these things, but yeah, if anybody has questions, it's been yeah. easier live because somebody can just comment and say, "Hey, what does justification <laughs> mean, or what does atonement mean?" But we can, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely reference. hold on to that, and when we have our Q and A, you know, bring it up. Yep. And we'll talk about it some more. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so blood sacrifice was in the Old Testament. It covered sin, but it didn't uh, remove it. So that was the one big problem with the animal sacrifice. And the thing with animals, um, of course, we didn't sacrifice humans because humans are, you know, made in God's image. We're special beings that are set apart from all other creation and we're not. Sacrifice, you know, it's human sacrifice is not good, you know, not condoned, it's not supported. So, we couldn't sacrifice a person. And other religions did, but somehow, of, we, yeah, you know, others did. Be redeemed <laughs> in Israelite, you know, 
And they talked about uh, some people use the argument or yeah. So some people use the argument um, when they talked about uh, Abraham and Isaac, they say God was wanting him to sacrifice Isaac. So he, you know, they may try to make some kind of argument for that. And like, you stopped at the last second today. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I won't say yeah, anything else, but <laughs> no, you're good. But, I just, I but uh, bring up that verse actually. Yeah. So he, he wasn't act. God didn't actually want him to sacrifice Isaac. He stopped him for a reason. It was he wanted to, you know, see his commitment, which is a parallel to other things. But um, so yeah, human sacrifice wasn't anything that God condoned or supported, um, because no, not only because of the, you know, it's a person. You don't sacrifice a person, but a person was sinful and guilty. So even in that regard, you know, they couldn't cover sin because they had sin in them too. So it's kind of, it's a double, double whammy, I guess, with yeah. uh, reasons why You're you don't sacrifice people. I'm a little bit on here, but uh, oh, I can still hear it. Yeah, hopefully okay. it doesn't come through too much on the actual, when we live stream it. But, yeah. If you have any questions on if you missed anything, Q&A. <laughs> we'll just keep <laughs> plugging the Q&A. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but with animals, the one thing, even though God never intended to sacrifice or kill animals um, for that reason, you know, even though that was never his intention, an animal doesn't sin. So an animal is totally innocent, has nothing to do with anything that's going on, and it requires innocent blood to save a guilty person's, you know, spirit symbolically. Um, so you need someone innocent to, you know, save the person that's guilty. So with animals, you know, we talk about dogs all the time. Like, man, we don't deserve dogs. Dogs are so great. No matter what happens, dogs are always happy. Dogs are always, you know, good to go. Um, and then we almost are <clears throat> more enraged when a dog is abused or killed than we are about people being abused or killed. So, Which is sad. Yeah, it's sad. But, you know, it just shows like we inherently just know that they're so innocent and pure in a way because it's just they only know how to do what they do mm-hmm. and you know there's no less animals. moral responsibility i guess yeah and there's animals don't really sin so <laughs> that was the closest thing we could get to cover our sin but it was an animal and it wasn't god it wasn't yeah it wasn't sufficient and it made us acceptable but even and another thing is we didn't go to heaven like um jews and they weren't Christians, so Jews in that time they didn't go to heaven when they died because they weren't officially atoned for yet. Um, so they were in you know Abraham's bosom, paradise, that kind of thing. Is like a they weren't in hell, but they weren't in heaven, and it was just like, like a temporary paradise. Yeah, Abraham's so bosom type of it was, yeah. It's kind of a holding area where uh, they couldn't get into heaven yet because they hadn't been totally redeemed yet because the animal sacrifice wasn't sufficient. Um, So that's the biggest thing that Christ fulfilled when he came and he died on the cross was he fulfilled that requirement. And uh, Hebrews 9, 12. That's the first time I heard that, actually. So I wonder how that, yeah, how that works theologically, too. Like, just trying to, well, I I guess we're brainstorming that. So... (laughs) If I, I know, I don't mean to commit heresy. So if I committed heresy, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm no. Just no thinking I'm just, about things. I'm just like <laughs> for other listeners, because so, I know, yeah, like heaven as or new heavens, new earth, like final state type of thing. And so mm-hmm. we're thinking in a chronological order, mm-hmm. Christ atoning sacrifice, 
works for past, present, and future, right? So obviously we know his atoning sacrifice covers the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the past. But yeah, if, if those who already died ever thinking in a linear timeline, mm-hmm. then they would be in paradise, obviously, I think, with, with God. It's mm-hmm. kind of obvious there, but it's not their final state. Like yeah. the resurrection, at least in the Jewish concept, hasn't happened yet because, you know, you think of the Ezekiel dry mm-hmm. bones and everybody coming out, you know. The, I think it's the I, end time resurrection. The day of the Lord has not come yeah. yet. So. And to kind of uh, piggyback off that, I guess, uh, brainstorm off of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, as, I wonder if there's any kind of theological... Uh, discussion or if there's anybody else that's thought about this or written about it but I wonder if like if we die now mm-hmm. uh, even though Jesus has you know died and we're forgiven and stuff I wonder if we go to the actual heaven right now because like you said the new heaven and new earth and all that so I wonder if we're not in the actual ideal yeah, heaven I mean, yet <laughs> yeah I guess we would just be in paradise like, not necessarily saying soul sleep but um it could be a paradise thing. Cause like even Jesus said to the sinner, uh, you'll be with me in paradise and Jesus was dying at the same time. So he would have unlocked that new realm that wasn't Abraham's bosom. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's an interesting thought. Uh, well, as far as that, yeah, I guess until like, cause it, you know, Jesus says he's preparing a place yeah. for us. And so, so maybe, maybe it's still being prepared. <laughs> yeah. And we haven't, that's not part of our study today. So we're just, again, going off, you know, brainstorming topic, right? Uh, we, we probably have to like <laughs> at some point study into all of yeah. that the deal you know with heaven because the bible doesn't talk a whole lot c- very clearly about mm-hmm. heaven it's a surprise <laughs> it's like and you know there's a lot it does you know kind of references and a lot of parable but it doesn't give explicit a lot of explicit thing you know yeah versus so. so you have to draw it exegetically but it's not exactly yeah fully clear what final states look like both Heaven and hell, but so at the the base minimum, you know, Jesus' sacrifice got you know the Jewish and Old Testament believers out of Abraham's bosom and into a paradise of some nature, um, possibly heaven, possibly not. Uh, when you take into account the new heaven, like you were saying, so that's pretty interesting. I guess if you have a new one, you have to have an old one, so I guess they have heaven, but then the new heaven, yeah, that's true. I didn't actually so, think about that, so that's a good point. So, uh, so yeah, they're in heaven. I mean, heaven just means skies, too. The, the skies, the heavens. True. Uh, so I guess yeah, it just it works anyway. So yeah, that's cool. Right. But so, yeah, Hebrews uh, nine twelve. Uh, I want to read that real quick. Okay. Um, to kind of uh, go off that really well, uh, he entered the most holy place once for all time not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. So kind of like pretty much like what we were saying, it wasn't the blood of the animals or whatever, or any of the calves or goats or anything like that. You know, Jesus sacrificed himself to redeem us. And this would be the only time that human sacrifice, I guess would be okay. But, um, I guess the reason why would be, you know, Jesus was pure. He wasn't sinful in any way. And, you know, I guess in this case, you need a human to save a human. So he would be the human to do it. (laughs) And he was pure and innocent. 
and didn't have the sin. So, you know, he was the ultimate sacrifice, the one time sacrifice once and for all, like you were saying, that's it. And we're good now. God to <laughs> uh, appease the infinite wrath of God. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, one thing that makes Christianity a lot different from other religions, um, you don't see Zeus dying for his supposed creation. (laughs) You don't see Jupiter dying for his creation. You don't see the love of God, right? Yeah. You don't see all these other, you know, as far as religions at the time, you don't see them dying, you know, for their creation. If anything, they're just wiping them out on a whim because they were being too loud. (laughs) <laughs> or making too much noise yeah, and just kind of it's like, Oh, they're annoying us. So let's yeah. send the flood on. You know? <laughs> and then yeah. one of them rats on the gods and it's like, Hey, uh, Oh, what was his name? Utnapishtim. Was that his name? Noah and Gilgamesh. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm, an a. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, Oh wait, no, is it Ut- I know, is it's it? a long weird name. I have it's, to, yeah. when, I go, when I go through Genesis, I'll have the reference. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so like one of the gods in that story, or the gods in that story, like the, the epic of people are being, yeah, yes, epic Gilgamesh, where the humans are being too loud, so we're gonna wipe them out with a flood because we need some peace and quiet over here. <laughs> and then one of the gods rats on him and uh, goes and tells Utnapishtim, I believe was the name, but he's like the Gilgamesh Noah. Oh, he's like, hey, yeah. the gods are about to kill all of us. Uh, you should build a boat and you can survive. And so he builds a boat and he survives. And later on, Gilgamesh travels to this hidden island where he's hiding out because now. The gods are like, man, you outsmarted us, so we'll give you <laughs> eternal life. <laughs> so now he's immortal, and but he's just hanging out, doing his thing, and Gilgamesh has to try to go find him and all that. But uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it shows you like those gods were uh, capricious was is a word that's used. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always makes me think of uh, one of our former professors, uh, Ken Johnson. I heard him talk about he used, oh, he used that word. Yeah, <laughs> so that word always makes me think of him. But um, uh, who isn't? He's an Egyptologist, which is really cool. He taught us uh, Western Civ at Southeastern University, Western Civilization. Yeah, I love that class. And, uh, Best freshman year class for sure. Oh, well, yeah. that in my art class. Yeah. Well, not art, but West like art history. Yeah, yeah that's a long story. Definitely, definitely one of my favorite classes. Cool dude. Uh, maybe yeah. we'll get him on the show one day. But because uh, he is <laughs> yeah, Christian, I need to find him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I guess you can't. It's kind of sad that you have to point out he actually is a Christian, that even though he's teaching at a Christian school, <laughs> because sometimes they aren't. But um, yeah, that's a which is okay. Story, but but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be you know non-biased, but it also I feel like if you're an atheist working at a Christian school, you have like another extra grind. Yeah. You just kind of have it. Have it you know, so. you know, really grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> It's like <laughs> it's kind of like uh, which has happened. Uh, oh, we've we've yeah. seen. Yeah, we've had professors. But. It, it's kind of like uh, what's his name? Bob Dylan said, "You got to serve somebody." So there isn't a true neutral, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. So true. everybody has bias. Yeah, right. well, <laughs> I think bias doesn't really exist, but <laughs> or unbiased doesn't really exist, but yeah, just, yeah being we'll do philosophy on another episode. Yeah, well, on our <laughs> maybe philosophy series i guess yeah that'd be coming fun. up All so right, yeah he so, fulfilled the blood sacrifice thing yeah yeah i was about to say do you want to segue that or do you want uh, into what i have with genesis or do you want to go on to hebrew 7 um let me i got a couple more points i'll hit them real quick and then i'll uh we'll okay. do uh i'll hand it off to you power right on three <laughs> um <laughs> uh all right. So, 
Okay, so it's st- we're still we'll still be in Hebrews for this one. Oh, you were saying Hebrews seven, yeah. So okay, that's yeah, the yeah, next yeah. one. Sorry, you you knew where I was going and I didn't know. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Hebrews seven. So God, so God fulfilled the blood sacrifice. We have the blood. Uh, the blood of the Lamb was you know we always hear blood of the Lamb of uh, when we talk about Jesus, but the reason why is going back to the Levitical law and even Passover law. Um, you know the Lamb's blood. The lamb was white. The lamb was pure and innocent and everything. So that was, you know, a big deal for, you know, remission of sin and atoning for sin. So that's where that phrase comes from with Jesus and everything. And then um, we'll talk about Passover a little bit later as far as what the lamb was used for. But so, yeah, Jesus fulfills the blood sacrifice. Then we have Hebrews 7 uh, verses 23 through 24. And where is it at? Here it is. Okay. So now we'll go on to the next Levitical uh, law or point that Jesus uh, fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So uh, 23. Now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. Or, yeah, prevented by death uh, from remaining in office. Mm -hmm. Verse 24, but because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently, speaking of Jesus. So the next law that Jesus fulfilled... Uh, when he came was he fulfilled and also negated the uh, priesthood, at least of the Old Testament. And the reason what that means is the priest in the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. So a priest in the Old Testament was the intermediary between man and God. So your average Joe Schmo Hebrew couldn't talk to God. Um, He didn't have that ability that, uh, to go in the holies of holies of yeah. God's full presence. Yeah, the, yeah. Actual, the your average everyday Hebrew couldn't go into the temple, couldn't go into the holy of holies. You know, he wasn't uh, ritually pure or spiritually pure um, like a priest was. Because being a priest in those days, excuse me, they lived in their own camp. They were on their own, their own separate community because you had all these different tribes. tribes. The Levites, yeah. yeah. So you had all these tribes, and all these tribes were in charge of different things. They were uh, given different things, entitled to different, you know, things that they owned, and they were allowed to own things and plant and farm and provide for themselves. Much like, and a lot of this is paralleled by, you know, just normal Christians and pastors now, but you know, just the normal tribes of Israel and everything, they provided for themselves, had their own stuff, had their own property, had their own everything. But the Levites lived a very selfless, sacrificial lifestyle. They were always in the temple, always upkeeping Mm -hmm. the temple. They were always in a, uh, just a mindset of, you know, serving God in a way. And that's just, that was their job. They served in the temple. They kept up the temple. Yeah. They kept up the temple. They served in the temple. They did the daily sacrifices and burning incense and, you know, that kind of stuff to, you know, the showbread and all that. They kept up the Old Testament ritual to, you know, serve God and to maintain his presence. Spoiler, Jesus is the bread of life. Yeah. (laughs) Self-proclaimed. So, yes. And so, yeah, there was showbread in the temple and everything. So, yeah, that all, you know, there's a lot of connection there, too. Um yeah, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> There's but, a lot of stuff uh, that we couldn't cover with temple stuff, but we're just kind of going. Yeah, you could you could do a whole stuff. series on that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they um, so yeah, the priests were, you know, in charge of making sure everybody else in Israel was good spiritually. Like they kind of took care of everybody 
on they were they talked to God on Israel's behalf pretty much and you know dealt with God in a way on their behalf. So when Jesus came and he you know did his thing, he died, you know, we got the blood part down. The new high priest. He became yes, he became our new priest. Uh just like the verse says, uh there are many Levitical priests, uh, but they are prevented by death from remaining in office, but Christ remains forever because his and holds priesthood permanently. So now because of Jesus, we have direct access with God and he took away the middleman and, you know, we can directly have a relationship yeah. with God and talk with God and commune with God. So that was the one justified us there. I knew I was going to use yes. that. Like <laughs> We've been justified. Yeah. By paying the penalty of sin. Yes. So, you know, before there was a lot of rituals and everything that the Levites and the high priest had to go through just to make sure that he was uh, somewhat acceptable before God spiritually. And even then, he still had to be careful when he went into the Holy of Holies. And he can only do it once a year. And uh, yeah, and only and it's kind of a spoiler alert if you haven't finished reading uh, the book yet. Um, When Jesus dies, uh, the veil in the temple which separated the rest of the temple from the holy of holies was ripped from top to bottom and it was a thick curtain like it was a really you know it wasn't a easy room to get into like it took effort to get into it and the veil was just supernaturally ripped symbolizing that god's presence which used to just stay in the holy of holies with ark of the covenant was now available to everybody yeah 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 that's great and then ripping Amen. from top to bottom, going from heaven down to earth to another symbol of another uh, parallel symbolism. I didn't think of that. It. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I had that detail in there from top to bottom. It, it says yeah. that too in the text? Yep. From top to bottom. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Let me Google it real quick. But, but yeah, there's yeah. the... Top to bottom. Hmm. They'll be being torn... I guess it's also like you know, in a in a non supernatural way too. It's like saying, "Well, nobody cut it because you know you gotta." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't like easy had, to cut. Yeah, had to had to come down. Yeah. Yep. Okay, here it is, Matthew uh, chapter twenty-seven, verse fifty-one, um, English Standard Version. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the hmm. earth shook and the rocks were split. So, yep, top wow. to bottom. Yeah, I never heard that before. That is. It's pretty cool. Uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't think to have the scripture reference for that, but I wasn't sure if I was going to go there or not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But so, yeah, he uh, took away that high priest um, barrier because, you know, that separated us from God because the average, you know, Jew, Hebrew, Israelite um, didn't live a ritual, ritually pure life every day because they couldn't. You know, there had to be a certain group that did that on their behalf so that everybody else could live their life and you know take care of the community and that kind of thing and like i said it's kind of a parallel to pastors and christians nowadays where you know pastors of a church you know they are always at the church working at the church doing their thing uh some pastors do have are bivocational and they do have other jobs um for the most part you know they that church is what they mostly take care of um (laughs) ideally there are some occasions where they do have to have another job because the church can't sustain them financially. But the biggest thing with being a pastor is your life is dedicated to that. You know, it's making sure you're studying the Bible every day, you're praying every day, you're taking care of the affairs of the church, whether it be bills or 
building maintenance or um, calling people, checking on people, praying for people, visiting people, you know, all the different things that you have to do when you're a pastor. And, you know, it's a very selfless, sacrificial life like the priests. And for the average Christian, you know, you don't have to do all that stuff just because that's not your role. That's the pastor's role. So, and, but you can, I mean, you don't, it's not that you can't, you can, you know, go pray for people, call people, talk to people, encourage people, that kind of thing. That's what it's not the five fold ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not that you can't do those things. It's just that that's not your, uh, your job, your livelihood. Vocational calling. Yeah, yeah, spiritual calling, vocation. vocational yeah. calling. Is some, that's yeah, yeah. Same, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a better way to put it. It's not your vocation. So, um, but yeah, so Jesus did away with the priesthood, um, got rid of the middleman, and now we have direct access to Jesus. Father, yeah. So that's pretty yeah. cool. And the, kind of in the next point uh, that I go over, um, kind of blends with what I was just saying, segues smoothly. Um after with Christ coming and dying and fulfilling the law and everything, um, he removed the need for the central place of worship being the temple because, like I said, the veil was torn. We now have access to him. So Christ is no longer, or Christ is now the center of worship and not the temple. Meaning, uh, Matthew 18, 20, uh, these verses will help explain it. Uh, so let me flip back here. I had so many verse references that I didn't have enough ribbons in my Bible to mark them out. So <laughs> I had to. Uh, so do you uh, want to go through the last three and then I just go with my stuff like afterwards? Or do you want to? Yeah. It? Yeah. These are I'll be wrapping up the. Uh, oh, OK. Here I didn't know quick. if you still wanted to split it. And yeah. Yeah. So I got I got this and then I'll go over Passover in a little bit and I'll let you I'll, you know. You can have okay. your turn. <laughs> just no, no, you're good. I, I was just wondering if if you wanted me to pull up the last three verses. Oh, I thought you meant the points. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, Matthew eighteen twenty. We'll do that one first. Um, and yeah, I'll hit those uh, last two in just a second. Uh, let's see, twenty twenty eighteen twenty. Okay, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am among them. So everyone, pretty much. Or I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people that attend church faithfully and or have grown up in church, you know, they know that verse where two or three gathered. You know, I'm among them. Like a uh, signet among verse. Us. <laughs> among us, yeah. <laughs> where nobody is sus. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> had to reference it, uh, I guess. Yeah. I guess man, I didn't want to reference it, but I had to. <laughs> it's a fun he game. is he is fun. among us. <laughs> but uh <laughs> and if did you ever notice that sus is in Jesus? Hmm. Or Judas, or not, I mean, word, but yeah, Judas, <laughs> Judas is the sus among us that you know that betrayed, right? <laughs> and he killed Jesus. Look at that. Just yeah, twelve. <laughs> so you know, yeah. So like yeah, that. Jesus, Jesus got rid of the need for the temple as a central place of worship because now, you know, we don't need to be in the temple to worship him or experience his presence. We're two or three gathered. You know, he's with us and he's with us, you know, in our hearts and in our spirit, too. Um, so the next one, First Corinthians uh, 6, 19 through 20. You know, I don't always mix my Bibles around, so I have uh, 
the timing's well, different for where I know which books are. Like the mixed, <laughs> mixed cloths of the Levit, you know, talking about Levitical law. Oh mixed, yeah, <laughs> mixed fabrics. Right. Your Bible. It's funny. I know with certain Bible, like my primary Bible that I use, like I know, like it's kind of like a timing thing. I know where to go, and then when I get to other ones, I get lost. <laughs> as far as like flipping to different books and everything, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But First uh, Corinthians six nineteen through twenty. Uh, here we go. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. So that last part, glorify God with your body. Uh, we can probably touch on that in another episode because uh, that's also a good point mm-hmm. that needs more time. But um, yeah, so your body is now the temple of the, the Holy temples. Spirit and God's present. Yeah. So. Which is- well, Pretty, yeah, I was going to yeah. say that's good because a lot of people think of the church as the new temple where God's mm-hmm. presence is, but it's like we are individually, like we are the temple now, like where the yeah. temple in the Old Testament was where the place you go for presence, like God mm-hmm. wants to indwell in each of us yeah. you know, personally. And it's not that the church isn't important. It's just where God's presence is, is different. So he's his presence and his spirit is with us individually. And then, like it said, when two or three are gathered, you know, he'll be you know, among us. The assembly. That's why it's <laughs> yeah. called the assembly. The know, assembly, the, the yeah. The church, the ecclesia, you know, ecclesia is yes. the Greek word for... And it says yeah. in the New Testament, for those of you that don't like the Old Testament, it says in the New Testament, don't forsake the gathering together. So yes. I know right now we have COVID and everything, and there's live stream that's abundant, abundantly available. And a lot of Christians have gotten comfortable watching live stream and just staying home. Like us. But, yeah. <laughs> or like, hopefully you're, you know... Yeah. So it's uh, now in some states, there's there may be more issues. Some people may, you know, be have their fears and worries and that kind of thing. But, you know, for the most part, things are different now as the, as opposed to how they were a, a year ago. So for those of you who have the ability to go physically to church, uh, you really especially need to if start. you've been vaccinated too. Like, that's, yeah. So you know, if you if you have the means to, yeah. If you have the means to go back to church and you're physically able, your church is open and it's having services that are open to people, you know, start going back to church. Don't get stuck watching live stream because it's important to while live streams good when you need it. If you're traveling, if there's you know issues, you know, it showed the importance of have last year showed the importance of having a live stream ministry. And a lot of churches, thankfully, did already have one set up and they just had to maybe beef it up or improve some aspects of it. But mm-hmm. um there were a lot of churches that were caught off guard and didn't have one set up. And so they had to learn online ministry. And while online ministry is good, you know, don't get stuck doing that every week because it's important that we all meet together and spend time with one another. And you don't have to be all physically on top of them, touching them, hugging them, shaking hands if you don't want to. But it's important to physically be with other believers. So mm-hmm. Max and vaccines after that, you have no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I know some churches, you know, in Florida, we've got, you know, great governor who's, you know, allowing us to meet in church and worship together. You know, Texas is the same way. Um, you know, some states are having yeah, issues. I haven't had an issue with it, really. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Texas and Florida have been really good with um, allowing churches to do their thing. And other church, other states haven't as much. But like I said, if you have the ability to go to church, your church so, is having in person service or small so groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm gathering together just get together with people you know don't hide out in your house and just watch live stream every week <laughs> but i want to so, be a hermit 
Yes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, where was I? I kind of got lost there for a second. Well, yeah, uh, First Corinthians six, and then did you want to go Mark seven? Yeah. So yeah, first uh, as far as wrapping up the First Corinthians one, um, yeah, our te- our body is now temple. So uh, that was the one thing that um, Christ changed or fulfilled was we don't need a physical building for God's presence anymore. Like God's presence can be in us personally. So. That's one. Next one, um, like you're saying, Mark 7. Let me go backwards here. 18 through 19. Fun fact, uh, Mark is considered to be the original manuscript that the other Gospels um, Yeah, the used. earliest Gospel, yeah. Yeah, and they not that they copied Mark, but you know they you know reference a lot of the same stories and stuff probably because they were actually physically there. They were written by the disciples, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so Mark's one of the earliest manuscripts and you can see, you know, where their stories corroborate and everything. So it's pretty cool. Uh, Mark seven, I'm on the wrong page. There we go. <clears throat> Mark seven, 18 through 19. Uh, let's see. Here it is. And he said to them, are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the inside can defile them? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean, it says in parentheses. So it kind of goes back to like what I was saying earlier with the The dietary laws. Yeah. Yeah. I love how it just has that reference within scripture. It's not just something that we deduce of like, oh, thus he made it all clean. It's like, no, the person writing it, made that same conclusion of like, yeah. plus he made all foods clean. So it's like you, yeah. So it's like, Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's helpful it's, to know it's there and it, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cut and dry right there. But, um, yeah. I love how you're saying like, like he, first. it's like, are you without yeah. understanding or what, what like, do you say? There? Are you guys stupid? <laughs> <laughs> do you guys not get it? But, yeah. uh, I love but that. Yeah, so Jesus didn't hold back. What Jesus was getting at is you guys aren't really understanding the principle and the heart of the matter here. It's not about, you know, the food. The food was important for your health, like to keep you from getting sick and that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, I can't imagine eating some of those foods without some of the health knowledge that we have now. Yeah. <laughs> not cooking it or preparing it properly or that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's like it's that's not the point. The point is, you know, it's it's about the heart. It's a heart issue it's not a food issue. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's another law. So there's, you know, ton, there's hundreds and thousands of laws that Jesus fulfilled. If you wanted to really get into the weeds, those are some of the big ones. Um, like I said, that's my last reference. And, um, yeah. so with that, I know Chandler's got some good stuff for you, but so yeah, Jesus, that's how Jesus fulfilled, uh, Levitical law, you know, leading up to mm-hmm. his, um, death on the cross and everything uh like i said this is kind of our quote-unquote good friday episode mm-hmm. even though we're not broadcasting on friday but <laughs> yeah um, Tuesday. but leading up you know yeah. it's good especially and i feel like tuesday nights are good because like not a lot of things go on on tuesday nights it's like well, yeah. wednesday night thing sunday night saturday nights people are on mm-hmm. friday night monday is like big work day so it's you know it's hard for people but yeah, and we don't got to really compete with sports either when sports come on yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true too <laughs> so and with thursday night football and yeah i mean right, it's just yeah. a good day we might have to change it at some point, like down the road, but I think now yeah. is a good for now. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so yeah, that's what I got on Leviticus. So, what you got for his channel? 
So, yeah, I mean, we, we're drawing threads here, right, with, with how Jesus fulfilled and, like, you know, with your verse there, too. It's like Jesus fulfilled the law, right? The law and the prophets. Um, the law is what they call, Jews called the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, mm-hmm. Exodus, Leviticus, you know, um, I just forgot numbers, Deuteronomy. Yeah. I can't believe it. You know, forgot numbers. <laughs> how can you forget numbers? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> It's, just, it's hard to read through, but it's there's some cool was, stuff was, in there. I was looking through the book of Numbers and I realized I didn't have years. Yeah, I know. If you want to, if you want to get cheesy, churchy pickup line. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't actually try that on a girl. Don't or, do that. No. Just, <laughs> whoever you are. That's like it just instantly. Yeah, that's a no. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you got Susie, though, work. right? Like you totally hit her with that line, and it oh, now yeah, you're married, just, right? You know, yeah. I hit her with the you know. It's like. Did you? What was the one? It's like, uh, are you an angel? Oh, why is that? You know, it's like because you fell from heaven or something. Uh, something dumb. Uh, yeah, like that. I know which one you're talking about. I just can't remember how it goes. Yeah. But then it's like, are you calling me a demon? Fall from heaven? <laughs> I, yeah, I feel, that's, that's, Yeah, so that one probably isn't you good either. Because, <laughs> did, you, did you fall from? Did it hurt? Oh, that's what it was. Did it hurt? And, you know, was, oh, oh like, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, when you fell from heaven, it's like, <laughs> and you calling me Satan? Right. Yeah, well, uh, maybe anyway, one so, day. <laughs> Oh dear. On some days, yes. <laughs> so it's like Peter, uh, like Jesus said to Peter, "Get behind me, opposer, Satan." Also, <laughs> Hasatan, the Hebrew word for the, the you know the Satan, uh, it's not a proper name. I don't know. I don't know if this is a good time to unpack that as like a bombshell. <laughs> By the way, Satan's not a name. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's like people that like it means like opposer. It means like yeah. adversary. You know, it's that's, more like a Yeah, so we'll, we'll have a whole manager. episode <laughs> to the regional He's manager. Region, regional, regional manager of the underworld. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... We'll, so it's we'll like we come against you, that. regional manager. <laughs> yeah, so in a way, Jesus is obviously referencing the Satan, but like in the same time saying, like, you opposer, like, get behind yeah. you, adversary. So it's not literally identifying Peter... Peter is like, yo, you are Satan. That's like, you know, that would be, he's Peter. But. That's like Christ is kind of like a job description too, right? That's like the... Christ meaning the anointed yeah. one. Yeah, Christos, yeah. Uh, the anointed. Jesus. It's not a last name. It's not Jesus, is, you know, Christ isn't his last name. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's Jesus, the, the anointed one, the Messiah, the, right. the, the Christos. So. I wonder Anyways. what Jesus' last name was. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, of Nazareth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 that's like oh. those memes like what was obama's last name oh yeah <laughs> that actually took me a second to think of. i was like oh yeah that is his last name like, oh well uh, uh hmm that's good <laughs> what was bush's last name what was trump's last name yeah that'll get, that'll get you if you don't if you're not careful <laughs> so <laughs> wrapping it up here and i we're already an hour in so I, like i'll try to really skim through these pretty fast um and not too know, much but yeah yeah, yeah well, i'll try to get it through yeah i was like maybe we should have ended now but you know there's such good stuff we just gotta do it we gotta do it we gotta yeah there's there's such good things to talk about in the bible you know oh yeah i mean it's the bible come on you know right yeah um yeah so we we talked about briefly last week how jesus fulfilled genesis and exodus and we went through kind of the other prophecies and you know obviously you're talking about you know leviticus how it fulfills that what I'm going to do is I'm going to just draw a prophetic line that Jesus fulfills throughout the Old Testament and then just kind of connect that with the new. And so I'll start in. Okay. I actually want to start with a quote from 
Plato, which is not in the Bible, uh, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> One of the um, patriarchs, uh, Plato. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Like that would be just, interesting. That would it was be just off the cuff. Like I didn't even like explain it. It's like yeah, and uh, oh, Plato. Yeah, Plato. He's great. You know, he I'm was sure some people would the, believe. In, like you know the thing. Yeah, it's like in the Old Testament <laughs> passage. Plato, uh, and the and the Republic, you know. Uh, well, see. that's actually what this is from the Plato. Really, yeah. I actually have a Plato's. Uh, I think it's his Republic and other works is the name of it. But I actually, do have his book. Oh, nice. Yeah. So this is. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is one part, and so he's kind of oh, nice having this dialogue, you know, like tease, and uh, so it's not him speaking, but it's just kind of like you know this this dialogue that he is portraying here. Yeah. And so um, I'll kind of explain it after I read it, but I'll just kind of read it. It says, you know, to the best of my ability, he replied, and if such is the nature of the two, it becomes an easy matter. I fancy, I fancy, fancy <laughs> to, un to untold the tale of the sort of life that awaits each. And so each is talking about the righteous life and the unrighteous life. Okay. And so we must tell it then. Uh, and even if my language is somewhat rude and brutal, you must not suppose, Socrates, that it is I who speak thus but those who condemn injustice above justice, um, what they will say is this, that such being is disposition. The just man will have to endure the lash, the rack, the ch chains, the branding iron in his eyes, and finally, after every extremity or of suffering, he will be crucified. Hmm. And uh, You didn't think you'd hear about Plato and Aristotle and Socrates in a biblical podcast, did you? Yeah, yeah, no, right. So here's a... But that's pretty cool. Yeah, like here's a pagan philosopher, right, where it's, it's before Jesus. And so for those who didn't know, yeah, Plato is actually before Jesus. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm reading this, because it's just kind of interesting, right? Uh, you know, and pre-crucified, and so we'll learn his lesson uh, that not to be but to seem just is what we ought to desire. Uh, it's hard to read yeah. Plato sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but... That's a mouthful. Essentially, what's interesting is... Early church fathers, and I want to say it's Ambrose, or gosh, I think it's Ambrose. I could be wrong. I have to look that back at it, but I remember reading. He's the one who quotes this, saying, "Hey, look, here's a prophetic line from from the from Plato." Um, <laughs> but he's kind of drawing a connection because you know, I guess in philosophy, you know, they're searching for truth, right? They're searching for deeper mm -hmm. truth. They're obviously, in some sense, the wrong way. Um, but they're thinking through problems, right? And they're they're seeing, okay, there's the unjust life and the just life. But you see somebody who's perfectly righteous, he will ultimately suffer from from imperfect people. And so it's like if a perfect man really did come among us, right? There's the among us again. If a perfect <laughs> if a perfect man really became came among us, then we in our imperfection couldn't handle that light we would kill him it's like yeah out of our injustice and that's exactly <laughs> what happens yeah in the, in the gospel it's like peter says it's like it's our sin that put him there you know mm -hmm. it's like it's our imperfection like his righteousness or even john one like you know the light uh came to the world and, and we didn't the world did not recognize him like mm -hmm. his own did not like christ's own creation did not recognize him and they crucified him they killed him they tortured him uh, yeah, that's pretty, it's, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like crazy to think like, man, you just you really did just like the God of the universe. 
you done messed up, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he came down to Earth, his own creation, and his own creation again has John, where it's like love, darkness rather than the light, and our own injustice, our own imperfection. Like we we saw the light, you know, as John says, and even as you can see in Type and Shadow, Plato trying to scratch the surface of that, like just yeah, with pure philosophy, just trying to understand, grasp this concept the just man and the unjust man where the just the unjust man deserves all the torture and pain and the and the un you know the, to be crucified etc but it, yeah. yet it's the just man that would suffer these things unjustly uh you know because that's just the nature of life that's just the nature of of un, you know the unfortunate uh you know the injustice now, of, of us as humanity now was he was plato talking in the sense that um trying to figure out what oh how do i word it <clears throat> was he talking in terms of someone needing to save humanity or was he just talking about a just person in general uh i think it's just a just person in general he wasn't really trying to theologize like you know because he doesn't have christianity in mind he's waved that as well and so but i think ambrose if that was him there was an early church father that kind of took that and tried to run with it it made a theological point kind of like i'm making now Mm -hmm. um, but it does it does kind of hit the point home where you have again the the just man who doesn't deserve injustice yet he suffers injustice and is even crucified like yeah. reference here because of uh, you know us the I guess the, maybe he was really overthinking the uh, no good deed goes unpunished line of thought back then <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the Greek version of that line <laughs> mm -hmm. so that that's a good kind of opener into what a what a you know keeping that in mind as well as we go through and so i'm going to start in genesis um 3 15 and i think i have it here so okay boom wait is it on the screen oh no there yep, it is there okay. it is so this is known as the first prophecy in the bible um you know you might be able to draw out something earlier in the you know prior verses but as far as something that's pretty explicit uh, you know, yeah. this would be the first. Uh, you know, I will put enmity between. So this is God after the fall. Uh, you know, in Genesis three, where man sins. You know, Adam and Eve type of deal. And so uh, God is cursing the the serpent, right? Mm -hmm. So I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Uh, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, interesting enough, which I'm not touching on today, Paul references this. Uh, you know, well, not the specific, but I think where he does, I know he does it with Abraham where it's like, he, he points out that it's not the plural offsprings, but it's like, you know, Abraham's offspring. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wonder if the same thing's going on there because when Paul references Abraham and God's promise to Abraham, where it's like, you'll bless his offspring, Paul mm -hmm. theologizes that and it's like, well, it's talking about Jesus, you know, as the, that seed. And so offspring okay. here, and I even have the Logos uh, software reference here. So the word offspring, the Hebrew word here, uh, Zerah, uh, which may be literally rendered seed, uh, can refer hmm. to one person or many. So you can draw it out. But Paul takes at least the reference with Abraham and says, well, he's talking, you know, it's referring to offspring and plural, but it, you know, it says offspring, not spring, offsprings. And so Paul says. Well, I guess if it's plural, you have to say offspry. Offspry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering if there's something similar going on here too. Again, we're just kind of brainstorming this. Where yeah, yeah, you know, you have, um, 
regardless of whether it's plural or it's talking specifically of Jesus, you have this prophecy of the the seed of the woman, which is interesting because in the ancient world, and if you guys know some basic biology, uh, the seed comes from the man. <laughs> Not what? To bring the... <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know. Like we're just diving right into that conversation today. <laughs> uh, can you imagine? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, and so. Yeah, I mean, in the ancient world, the, the, you know, agricultural metaphors, you know, they put a seed in the ground and it's like, oh, then they expect the plant to grow. And it's like, I put the seed there. So it's, you know, it's, uh, and you know, I know you were, was, you, oh, you're probably getting ready to say it. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned to me, you were like, uh, you know, that's kind of like why I guess they always thought the barrenness problem was from the woman because the seed, nothing wrong yeah. with the seed. It's like soil. It's either good soil or bad soil. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't really understand the fact that a man male infertility be... was not really considered back then. <laughs> <laughs> which, although, is probably a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, all these poor women back then. Which you know, I know it was like poor Hannah. She could have been like the most fertile person alive, and her husband <laughs> and, could have been infertile. <laughs> yeah, and she's praying, you know. But God answered her prayer regardless of her barrenness. Yes. So, so that's good though. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah. let's draw a line here. And so what I want to pay attention to the detail here of like he, so again, offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head. So I guess, again, we're kind of going to the singular person. So could mm -hmm. be referencing Jesus here, but let's just, you know, put a pin in it. You know, <laughs> and let's just keep Is that, that a for reference. reference? Uh, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think I remember that. And you shall bruise his heel. So, so somehow the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. Okay, interesting, right? And mm -hmm. there's this division between offspring, and we had to get into that with the whole Genesis six, and it, when we oh, get yeah. down there. I'm but I'm that. just gonna a small pin in it here, uh, you know, in that. And so I'm gonna, and also the word hostility here, you know, enmity or hostility. Uh, this word refers to hostility, not fear. The curse is not aimed at the woman, but at the serpent. Its language speaks of combat, specifically between the serpent and its offspring. Uh, those that follow its ways and the woman and her descendants. So again, we'd have to get into that and the whole combat with the giants and the Nephilim and all this stuff, but keep mm -hmm. that in mind with kind of the, the, angels. the giants, like, you know, David and Goliath think that, right. Mm -hmm. um, and also Jesus, you know, saying any, like here, anybody who follows the way. So like Jesus, you know, told the Pharisees, like your, your father, the devil. So it's like those who are a child of God. And then those who are a child of the devil, like there's mm -hmm. two categories. There's no middle ground. Yeah. Right. It's kind and of like so, what I was saying earlier. It's like Bob Dylan said: you got to serve somebody. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, bringing bringing Bob right Dylan, spiritual philosopher Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna draw that. So going to straight to uh, Genesis 4, 14, 18 through nineteen. So it's on the screen as well. And so Melchizedek, king of Salem. Right, so I'm just jumping through. I'm drawing a little prophetic line throughout the Old Testament. So we're going kind of quick here. Nice. Uh, and Melchizedek, king of Salem. Uh, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. We're going back to the priest language here. And that, you know, you, you talked about with the whole priest language. Yeah. Yep. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High. Uh, so Melchizedek, who is king, and Melchizedek mm -hmm. means king of righteousness, mm -hmm. um, and which is referenced in Hebrews as well. Uh, and so here you have a priest and a king, priest king, mm -hmm. right? Language. So. There's a lot of, you know, Jesus. And there's a lot that. of mystery behind who Melchizedek was because not much is said about him. And I've even yeah. heard some theorize that he may have been actually Jesus, but I don't know about that. So, 
Yeah, but it's I mean, just it's like he's so mysterious. Like no one knows where he came from, like why or how he was doing what he was doing. But yeah, but regardless, he's he was there. King, uh, in yeah. priest in Salem. So keep a pin in that. So this area called Salem, right? Mm. Uh, and then also oh, I, I, have, <laughs> I have a logos reference for that as well. So okay, yeah, Melchizedek uh, likely means my king. Uh, is righteous or king of righteousness like it does in Hebrews 7 2 it says uh it could also mean uh you know Tzedek is my king yada, yada. it's mentioned once more in Psalms oh that's what I wanted to point um uh, so one Melchizedek was both king and priest some ancient Near Eastern civilizations combined the two offices though most separated them but yeah okay. kind of like think Moses and Aaron that, that those offices are separated but the goal yeah. is to have one right Adam was the original priest king and so we'll have to get him into that with Genesis but anyway Salem this location um actually I don't even know if I want to spoil that um <laughs> I, I was gonna say when he said put a pin in there I was like oh I see where he's going here okay I'm just gonna skip that part so we're gonna okay. just move along here so, <laughs> nothing to see <laughs> so Think of that so we were in Genesis three. You got the prophecy crushing the head. We got okay, Melchizedek blessing. You know this priest king language again, blessing Abraham in this place of Salem. Uh, and then let's go on to Genesis twenty two. And this one I will have to read. This will be the biggest one to read out. So we're talking about the sacrifice of Isaac or the you know the uh, story. Yes. So like I said, I was going to go over that you know mm -hmm. with. Uh, yeah, with right. Abraham and Isaac. Which verse did you say that one was? Uh, I just put 22. I'll just kind of paraphrase and read through all of 22 oh, okay. here. Um, <clears throat> so, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Here, let me take this verse off. So we're in Genesis 22. Uh, okay, I need to be able to pull it up. There we go. So after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Uh, that's a good way to get somebody's attention. Uh, <laughs> and he calling. said, and Abraham <laughs> said, here I am. <laughs> you know, that's right. another, just do what he says, right? Here I am. Uh, he said, take your son, uh, your only son, Isaac, uh, which interesting enough, again, he's not his only son, but he's his un unique, he's the promised son. Because mm. remember, he had Ishmael, but yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's his only son, is unique. Again, only the son same, of promise. Yes, this again, you'll see this unique language with kind of God and Jesus, you know, as hmm. God's only son. Deal? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, so you take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Okay, so he's going to this land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took the two young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God told him. So you have this mountain in the land of Moriah, which by the way is uh, within the same region as Salem, which is why I brought the that up as well mm -hmm. with Genesis 14. So you have Salem within this land of Moriah and you have this mountain within that region. So we're talking about the same region here that Abraham went to when he got blessed by Melchizedek. So, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here, you know, yeah, you know, I'll just kind of skip down here. Um, you know, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
<laughs> so I love his son. It's like so I've been hey. carrying this wood on my back, and I just noticed there's not uh, any animal here. Hey, you know, I was thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so Abraham just, said, <laughs> "I love." It's kind of like with the. Um, uh, uh, I guess it was Abraham when they were splitting up. Um, or when the angels were going to Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Forgive me if I'm so stupid that I should speak one more time. But if <laughs> we talked about that yeah, last week, too. 15 righteous. <laughs> so Abraham's like, or Isaac is like, uh, forgive me, father, for I am but a child. But um, aren't we supposed to have a lamb? Somewhere? I am but a worm in your sights. Uh, please hear me out. <laughs> hear me out here. I know this is crazy. Don't we need an animal here? <laughs> yeah, I know. See, like father, like son. Yeah. Uh, so, but Abraham says something interesting here. He says, uh, "God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son." So they went both of them together. This is also considered a prophecy. And why is that? Uh, you know, other than just a kind of like a non-answer to uh, <laughs> to his son. It's like, yeah, God, God will provide a, a lamb for the sacrifice. Yeah, but there's yeah. something here, right? Uh, when they came to the place of which God had told him. Uh, Abraham built an altar there and laid his wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife for the slaughter. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his up his eyes and looked and behold, uh, behind him was a ram. Notice that's not a lamb. That's a ram. Yes. So God didn't provide a lamb, but He provided a ram. Some description. The lamb yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> caught in the thicket by his horns, um, and Abraham went. And oh, by the way, oh, I didn't even prepare for this, but there is a lot of cool ancient Near Eastern stuff, and I hit. I did a whole PowerPoint thing on this before. Maybe I'll bring it up when we go through Genesis. But the ram that. The ram in the thicket motif okay. is evident in the ancient area. So I'm wondering if that recalls something in Abraham's oh, kind okay. of memory. Like that meant something to him that in a Mesopotamian context that wouldn't have necessarily meant things to us. Uh, oh, because okay. you see... Oh, you're back. Okay. Yeah, now I can hear you. <laughs> uh, okay. Hold it up. seems like you totally disappeared for a second. <laughs> the devil's a liar. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know what is what happened with this stream. I can hear you at least, so the audio is there. I think we lost Chandler on the audio one more time. <laughs> Working out the bugs here, you know. So I know, like, uh, Chandler was mentioning a a um, 
motif. So a motif is kind of like a, let's see, let me look it up. So a motif is kind of like describing a theme of something. Um, here we go. So I'm looking it up on my dictionary on my computer. Design, a pattern. Um, it also says decoration, figure, shape, device, emblem, ornament. Um, also means a theme, idea, concept, subject, topic, you know, that kind of thing. So it's kind of like a uh, just kind of giving a theme of what you're talking about, like an idea. Um, so when he talks about you know using a RAM motif, a RAM motif is just kind of saying like it's sim it's almost like saying a sim something that's symbolic or it means something. Um, and it just kind of it's fancy, fancy academic word is all. So I'm going to see if we can uh, if I can reach Chandler here and see if he's OK with his connection and everything. Um, because so far, I'm only seeing myself on the screen. So let me see if we can get him back up. Uh, real quick. And we will get back to you guys here in just as just a moment.
Hello. There you are. <laughs> so, oh, so it's still going live. Okay. Perfect. I was getting a little worried there because I know that you had originally set it up as a host. So I was like, can I even invite you back on? <laughs> yeah, it actually, that was so weird. It, it said like application memory got like used up or something like that. I don't know. But somehow uh -huh. it's like fine running now. I weird. Know. I thought it was your Wi-Fi maybe. <laughs> that can't no. Wi-Fi. No, no, no. It's something with the computer. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, that's why I was like, devil's a liar. <laughs> spiritual spiritual attack. It right. really doesn't want me to talk about uh, Genesis 22, apparently. Yeah. I was trying to uh, explain what a motif was for a minute, and then you just disappeared, and I was like, oh, uh, let's see if we can fix that. <laughs> I was yeah, like, we'll be right back. Technical difficulties. Well, oh, I got my guitars on the wall. I could just, oh, start, yeah, playing. just start playing. Over. All right, intermission. <laughs> this is the bathroom break. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, hey, we're an hour and a half in. Just you know, do a, just a bust little, it out. You know, do a little intermission. Let people. Oh man! And All here right. is uh, "Shout at the Devil" by Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, I might be able to edit this, and maybe for those of you watching, it wouldn't be just a big gap. It might just be like a second or. I don't know how it would work, but however you're watching this, you know, there was... Sorry about computer. that if you see all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we'll see. This is the good thing about it being pre-recorded and not live, but hopefully we don't yeah. run into any more issues like this. But anyways, where did you last hear me? We're kind of like where I left off. I was talking about... The ram and the motif. thicket. Yeah, yeah. So that's an ancient Near Eastern kind of thing, and we have... I didn't know that. We have literally what's called the ram in the thicket, even though it's technically a ram and like, some kind of uh, tree or something like that. But we have mm -hmm. two of these found in Ur of the Mesopotamia in mm. like graves that date before Abraham and the King's Valley. Okay. Um, and so, or the King's Tombs or, you know, whatever it's called in Ur. Right. And basically it literally depicts a ram. And you guys can look at this up in your own time. Like a lamb or ram, like literally, uh, yeah, or sheep. That's my, that might be the, what that what actually is. A sheep in kind of stuck in this tree, but it's called the ram in the thicket to kind of you know because I guess uh, archaeologists found it and he named it that because it reminded him of the story of Abraham. Hmm. That's but even though that particular find was not literally a ram in the thicket, there are other ancient like tablets of things that do depict like rams in propped up against like on the side against a tree or against the different things and wow. these date before abraham so there's obviously some kind of theological messaging that abraham is getting from this that is deeper than just what the text shows that has to do with his context but i don't i didn't prepare a lot of stuff for that so that might be okay. a later thing when we go through genesis but i just wanted to mention that there is something deeper going on with abraham seeing the ram in the thicket as well wow okay but, I which might be associated with certain r ritual things, but yeah, I'll have to kind of prepare that, bust all that out when we go through Genesis. But yeah. I just thought I'd mention that just to, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I never heard that before. Um, but yeah, anyway, so there's this ram in the thicket. Yeah, and um, let me see. An angel called out to him, Abraham, here, here I am. Um, you know, don't leave your hand the boy, yada, yada. Um, and so behold, you know, there was behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns and Abraham went, took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering. And so Abraham, so what's interesting is it says, Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide, right? 
Uh, mm-hmm. We might know this as Yahweh Yira or, you know, Jehovah Jireh. If you've ever heard that term, okay. Jehovah Jireh, the <clears throat> Lord is our provider. Uh, he named that place that. And so mm. and the angel called to Abraham a second time of heaven and said, you know, kind of made it this uh, covenant said, you know, you multiply your offspring as, as the stars in heaven and, and all of this, you know, great stuff. Right. Yeah. But I want to turn yours in a couple details here. One, I think just in a, another Mesopotamian context, um, Mesopotamia, meaning the, the ancient Near East, that kind of region where, you know, Abraham used to be from. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is you think, why would God ask him to sacrifice his son? Well, I think one reason, you know, some people point to the text is, as, well, he was testing him. But I think another thing, well, two other things. One is that it's child sacrifice was normal in that day. Mm-hmm. And so the deities, the, you know, the deities of Mesopotamia and Canaan, it wouldn't be super uncommon, even though it might have been, you know, sad to mm-hmm. sacrifice your your true your firstborn right you're like your only son like your yeah you know the son of promise kind of thing. uh which you know what isaac was it, you know the firstborn son but i think it's interesting that god kind of for a second plays that role of like here's your mesopotamian like here's here's what the you know the other gods think you require so that, that's why abraham doesn't even think twice it's like oh this is normal right like gotcha, he's, okay. he's yeah. dead, but he's going to willing to sacrifice his son because the deities of that day did do that. Mm. Okay. But notice God reveals himself here and says, you know, I'm not like the other deities. He's like revealing his gotcha. love and his nature that he's showing himself apart from the Mesopotamian gods or the Canaanite gods. That's the good. engineers and deities where He's it's my sure in one sense it's like a test, but you got to think too of his context, which is this is kind of normal uh, for him, but yet God stops him and says, "Wait, I'm different than like showing him, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm Yahweh, I'm different than the other gods. Like yeah. you might be used to child sac- sacrifice in your context, but in when you follow me, you don't sacrifice your children." And mm-hmm. you notice that even in the law of like, we redeem yeah. the firstborn. We don't, you know, sacrifice. There's yeah. no human sacrifice going on in, you know, in Yahweh, um, you know, worship. Obviously mm-hmm. there was Israel ended up getting in trouble for this for child sacrifice by following Molech and other deities and paganism that they fell into. Mm-hmm. But Yahweh never requires child sacrifice because he's different. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he loves us, and that's that's kind of a, a testament there. It's um, kind of bad, but it made me think of this when you said, <laughs> when you when you said it, it's like I'm not like other girls. <laughs> what is that from? No, I, was, I just see in like oh, memes and stuff okay. where it's like oh, okay. she says yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. like other girls, but she's like other girls. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in this case, yeah. yeah this, it just yeah, it made me think of that. Not the, yeah. The meme, yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm not like other guys that's right like, yeah. girl you've never you know it's like yeah okay sorry in this case Jesus, there, probably no no you're good it's just like <laughs> god is really different than, than anybody else but yeah. the third thing to pay attention to is that isaac is willing to be sacrificed and so people have this idea that he's a boy because it says a son but mm-hmm. most a lot of jewish material and i even have the jewish encyclopedia by you know a rabbi behind me which says that mm. thinks he was about 40 years old. Wow. And, uh, but he had to be, 
Yeah, around that range or younger. Some say he was in his 30s, some say 20s, some say 40s. But, you know, you got to think mm. right after this story, you see Sarah's death and burial at 127. And also before that, in the chapter before that, with the whole thing with Abimelech, uh, you know, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. Uh, but the first prior says, and Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So mm. there is a gap between the birth of yeah. Isaac, which we see in chapter 21, which the story of God protecting Hagar and Ishmael, which who knows if that's chronologically before whatever. Uh, <laughs> but then you have this treaty with Abimelech, and then it says, yeah. and Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. And then it says, after these things, the verse, first verse of chapter 22, God tested Abraham and said, so there is time that has transpired between Isaac's birth and these events, yeah. which, you know, you, some people think, oh, he was a struggling boy that Abraham forced to be sacrificed. It's like, no, the point is this, is that one, Isaac's the one carrying, like, you know, you have Abraham's who's an old man. It's like probably his son is carrying the wood of the sacrifice up on this hill. Yeah. So notice, notice this language again. Uh, so the son who is willing to be sacrificed on this hill, mm -hmm. uh, probably carrying the wood, unless his hundred and something father is doing all the yeah. work here, <laughs> uh, who's probably in his 30s or 40s, then wi willing to be sacrificed by his father and appeasement to God. Hmm. So again, putting another pin in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep all of that in mind, what I have shared so far. We'll visit that one a little bit later, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's, okay, Genesis 22. Now let's turn to, real fast, Exodus 3. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, let me, I have the Bible reference for that. Okay. It says here, okay. Um, yeah, actually, I think I have it here, too. Yeah, let me pull that up here. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And this is the I third week in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say third. <laughs> third Sorry. week in a row. Oh, yeah, we should make this our theme verse. Exodus 3. You know, yeah. I might as well find some way to pull Exodus 3 out for next week. It's like, that's yeah. just going to be, we're going to touch Exodus 3. Apparently, for the rest of uh, <laughs> for the rest of this podcast, no, we're going to be talking about like uh, different parts uh, too. I don't even know. <laughs> we'll be talking about something totally unrelated. And it's like, all right, and uh, if we turn to Exodus, Exodus three, <laughs> I mean, it's such a marking moment. But true. So yeah. God reveals, you know, His name to Moses, and no and notice here. So, and I'm going to skip down actually because we talked about this before in, in past two podcasts with the story of the burning bush and all that stuff. But it says here, you know, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Uh, and they asked me, what is his name that or what, you know, shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. OK. And he said this, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord. So that's Yahweh. That's the divine mm -hmm. name, Yahweh. Yahweh. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me uh, to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Wow. Okay. So this divine name. And so I have um, so the Logos reference here. Uh, let's pull that up. So 
one one here. So what is the name? Uh, well, for one, it says it is unlikely that the Israelites do not know the name of God they worship, or that they are ignorant of the names they used by their ancestors for God. Um, you know, and it gives references here. But the I the I am that I am. The revelation of the personal name of God, Israel's creator, Exodus 3.15. In Hebrew, the phrase I am is Eye, a different spelling from Yahweh, right? But, you know, hmm. the relationship between Eye and Yahweh called the Tetragrammaton, so you got similar consonants here, okay. um, is not entirely clear, but both involve the consonants Y and H in the same order, and Yahweh is used throughout this passage, indicating that both uh, are names for the God of Israel it seems hmm. that the spelling of Yahweh recalls the revelation here. So they're both linked in some way, right? The I am who I am and the Yahweh where, you know, it's going. Yeah. Um, and so I have another thing here. So the traditional explanation of the meaning of the divine name is derived from Exodus 3.14, which appears to be an explanation of the significance of an already uh, known name rather than the revelation of the name for the person. Yeah, I see that, you know, the Abra, divine name, which means father. Um so God's qual so it either expresses God's quality of absolute being as eternal, unchanging, dynamic presence, or it means He who causes to be. So depending on where you put kind of the, uh, I guess vowels or like how it's used as a verb or, or whatnot, like you either have. Oh, and that's yeah. like in the uh, my translation of Septuagint. It doesn't say I am. It says I'm the being, or tell them the being yeah. sent you. So there's two ways to yeah to take yeah. it. It's you know it's either. Uh, he who causes to be, or uh, like I am, like, you know, just I exist. I am the existing mm -hmm. one, right? Uh, and so both are, maybe there's a wordplay there to blink both purposely because that's technically correct for both, right? Like God is yeah. both the one, the being and the one who causes all other things to be. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, which translates, like it says the box, I am the existing one, which is probably similar to what you have there. Um, yeah. Yeah, the my name as an imperfect tense, which he translates as I am, will be present. Uh, he argues that the understanding of the name Yahweh as a causative would be neither relevant nor comforting to Israelis in despite his redemption. So he's, you know, there's some pushback to some of these uh, mm -hmm. interpretations. Uh, but I wanted to point out this part here. It says, however, oh, whoops, lost my part here. Um, let me see. <laughs> this is what you just said that uh, uh, you lost your part. That reminds me of uh, the Grinch when they're uh, going over. <laughs> I know it's not Christmas time, but they're going over who they want their holiday cheermeister to be. And uh, Cindy Lou is quoting the book of who to uh, Mayor Mayhu. Which, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, uh, uh, pretending to quote it and he says the award the, the book says the award cannot uh go to the grinch because uh sometimes it could cause a uh lead pipe cinch <laughs> she's like you made it that made it up it doesn't say that he's like oh yes it does she's like what page he goes oh uh <clears throat> seemed to have uh, lost my place there but uh and he closes up he's like but it's it's, it's in there <laughs> yeah, yeah so <laughs> Real, real quick, I'll just read this part. So the term tetragrammaton, just because I have to explain that, refers mm -hmm. to the four Hebrew letters. So it's four Hebrew letters. At this time, there was no vowels that they put in the actual letters. So you have four consonants used in the Old Testament to represent the divine name. Ancient writers did not assign vowels to the tetragrammaton out of reverence. Following this tradition, 
English uh, Bible translators render the Tetragrammaton as Lord. So that's why when you see the Lord in all caps in your Bible, that's that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, either as Yahweh or Jehovah, these variations in handling the Tetragrammaton also occurred in the ancient world, um, you know, with the substitutions. So, yeah, there's thousands of occurrences of, of Yahweh. Um, yeah, the cut, you know, the Greek term for Lord. There was one other thing in here that I wanted to kind of, um, like, talk about, but it seems as though I may have lost it. But that's fine, because I have one other thing I want to point out here. So, um, let me try to share this real quick. So, not only, so in the Hebrew language, um, there is this idea of, you know, the individual letters themselves have meaning. Hmm. Now, there is a caution with this, because especially as you put things together, it doesn't actually mean the individual symbol. It, it's just a word, right? So it's like if you put all these letters together and it's like it just forms the word father. It's like, well, it just means father. It's not like, you, you know, you overanalyze every single uh you know it's like well it's like ox and house and you know it's like yeah it's like okay it just means father right yeah. so there is a there is a caution and a danger for trying to look too deeply into just the letters themselves that make the words but mm -hmm. nonetheless every single letter in the hebrew language does have a numerical value and it does have its own kind of meaning by itself mm -hmm. um and what's interesting with the name yahweh is that or the tetragrammaton these four consonants that make up the divine name is that you know it could be linked to you know one who caused it to be or being but if you just look at the consonants themselves it it does have an interesting message uh which you know this i am that i am this this aa or yahweh these consonants so the the four letters that make up the divine name of yahweh uh which here if i hide this part so you can guys see this a little bit better here so if you look here um the yod uh oh, can I, can you, oh, you can't see my actual mouse. <laughs> that That's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so if, if you guys are seeing this well, right? Just Second from the bottom. Yeah, Yod, which, uh, so this is, so you might think, well, Hebrew looks a little different today, but that's because of Aramaic influence and, and other such things. But yeah. in, if you go back to Proto-Canaanite or, you know, like Palea Hebrew um, type script, they were more pictograph, you know, pictorial, and so you kind of get a, more of a sense of actually the the meaning of the letter itself. And so, if you look yod, yod looks like an arm, a hand, work deed, you know, has its own meaning. So, but it looks like a hand. The actual symbol for the yod in ancient, you know, Canaanite Hebrew and Phoenician uh, script is is literally an arm with a hand, right? Hmm. So yod, hey, or hit, you know, yod hey is uh is a man you see that right in the middle of the left side it, you know means lo behold right oh uh, like yes a, yep like uh like an ex it's like an exclamation mark basically right hey gotcha. it's like which is kind of funny because it literally how we say hey like today like hey hey bro <laughs> like <laughs> hey i don't know if there's any actual <laughs> linkage there but it just seems funny to me that that seems you know, like too much evidence that there may be <laughs> it's too similar <laughs> hey uh you know level yeah that, he's got his hands up too 
And it's like, hey. So for those of you that are listening and you can't see it, like he said, the first one looks like an arm, like a stick figure arm with a couple fingers. And then this one is literally a stick figure with his arms in like a field goal yeah. position. So if you're just listening to the audio, I encourage you to maybe pull up uh, like a Paleo Hebrew or like a Proto Canaanite script of yeah. the letters. And so, uh, yeah, you can kind of just see it for yourself. But just if you're hearing, I'll just describe it as well. So you got the yod hey and then a vav, and if you notice the vav right below the hey in the language, it's uh mean you know means a nail or a tent peg, like you know mm. they would, you know when they had tents and they would hammer the the tent pegs to obviously yeah. if you're in a pastoral culture nomadic culture you're going to deal with tent pegs a lot and going from place to place tents. Right. Uh, but the vav it means the the nail or the tent peg you know, um, and so and then the last. One is another hey, so hey again, so yod hey vod hey, you know yod hey vod hey. So is the Yahweh um, script. So from the way you read it, right to left, is literally hand behold nail behold. So hmm. let's let's put another pin in that. I mean again, we're <laughs> that's we're very just, interesting. Yeah, um, it, it is it is very interesting just because you know. When you put the letters together, it doesn't necessarily mean the actual individual meanings of the letters. But yeah. for some somehow, some way, God's four consonants taken individually somehow make arm behold and or hand behold, nail behold. Mm. Which is certainly intriguing to to you know nonetheless. Uh, and then if you're reading it, I mean, you don't read Hebrew left to right like we do, but it, I guess if you did read it left to right in like the way we do modern wise, it'd be, you know, behold the nail, behold the the hand. Um, mm. So again, we'll just put a pin in it and uh, it's interesting. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. to also see the divine name on here and how it's changed to kind of the actual, you know, you have proto Canaanite. Uh, and so the play of Hebrew, actually, I've mentioned that it's actually a little bit different. It's down here. But yeah, proto Canaanite. Okay. Uh, you have Phoenician, which you know you kind of have this integration here. This Paleo Hebrew script, uh, you know, Hebrew today, and then Hebrew with the vowels. So this is what it would look mm -hmm. like now, the bottom. Uh, but you know, let's just say you put these constants together in kind of a an ancient context, even pre. Israelite. It depends when you date the Exodus to 1400 or 1200 exactly as well but you know they're working with symbols that represent nail hand and nail it's very so, interesting oh yeah so that is that is for sure interesting so i'm gonna hold on put a pen in that for a second and so now i'm gonna go to um where is it on here do, 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 do. oh yeah so I got the champ, yeah, the um, tetragrammaton, and now I'm going to go to Exodus 12. Okay. So you see me drawing a uh, you know, a thread here from Genesis 3 to Genesis 14, where yeah. Melchizedek was in Salem, then the sacrifice of Isaac on this hill in the same region as Salem, uh, with the God providing a lamb motif, uh, mm. and so, and you got the ram in the thicket kind of thing, sacrificial thing, which we were talking about. Now we hmm. go to the divine name that God talks to Moses. Somehow it may have, you know, again, not definitively, but it is intriguing, uh, this kind of hidden message within the Tetragrammaton, hmm. which 
you know, or hidden in plain sight, I would say, where these yeah. four consonants that make up his name are literally hand behold, nail behold, which, okay, interesting, interesting, right? Makes and, you think uh, of certain things. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so Exodus 12, if you want to turn there. <clears throat> if you guys want to go ahead and go to Exodus 3. Yeah, I know, again, <laughs> after all this time. So Exodus 12, uh, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, yeah, okay, the Passover. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase this. So, you know, you have the Passover kind of happening. And you guys all know the story of the Passover. So maybe I don't have to really read this too much. But, you know, it says, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, the lentils of the house in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that the night roasted with fire uh, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. So, you know, they have this. There's literally, you know, if you guys don't know the story of the, the Passover and the Exodus. So... Israel is in Egypt, right? Um, God, you know, sends Moses to, and you got the 10 plagues, and all of a sudden you have the killing of the firstborn is about to happen. But, you know, God says, hey, if you put the blood on the doorpost uh, and on the lentils, right? So you mm-hmm. have on top, the sides, and then you have the pool of blood on, on the bottom, which, yeah. you know, the painting, which may, again, if you're linking the two, that's kind of a cross, which, but, which is interesting. <laughs> on the doorpost, but again, yeah, yeah. You know, not definitive, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just something, maybe it's something there. Yeah. <laughs> it's something there is pretty interesting. You know, the blood of the doorpost is on the sides and the top and bottom. But okay. <clears throat> One thing, uh, I, did you, uh, this is totally 100% related, but did you ever watch Rugrats as a kid? Uh, yes. I remember there being one episode where I don't remember the context of the episode, but it was like uh, they were telling stories of like going back in time and reliving whatever. They did some kind of episode on the Passover. Really? And yeah, I I remember watching it and understanding it as a kid that they were talking about biblical stuff and like understanding what was going on. But what I remember uh, most about what they did was they had the all of the characters were in a hut and they were they knew like the they had to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and Mm. angel of death was going to come by. I don't know. I don't know if they. Uh, actually talked about the angel of death with it being a kid's show, but I do remember they put the blood on the doorpost like they're supposed to. And one yeah. of the characters walks in and was like, hey, I saw there was all this stuff on the doorpost, so I washed it off for you guys. And so I was like, I, even as a kid, I understood, like, why'd you do that? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, I, I still don't know what the heck the point of the episode was, but I, I've always remembered that part of the show. So hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but. <laughs> no, I didn't, but that is interesting. But anyway, you have the Passover meal, which is the sacrificing of a lamb. The blood is on the doorpost. The death angel then passes over the houses and not killing those who, you know, had the blood of the lamb, Mm -hmm. you know, on their house. So, again, some interesting stuff there. And we already talked about the sacrificial stuff. So let's then go over to 1 Samuel 17. All right. Actually, I'll just pull... Yeah, I have it here. So, you guys know the story of David and Goliath, I'm assuming. That's a big, famous one. Uh, you know, again, we're drawing a thread here, and we get to David. All of a sudden, he's he slays Goliath, and we see after he struck Goliath down, uh, it says, Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Mm. So... 
This you is struck kind me of a, down, I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but notice, right? Notice that uh, this is a forgotten part, really, of, of the story of David and Goliath. We think, oh, the stone, you know, hits him, it hits the ground, and that's it. Well, no, right, David, then goes, <laughs> David goes over and just cuts off his head. Yeah, uh, he's got to make sure he's dead. And it was a custom, especially in a lot of places in the ancient world, of, you know, war victories. You would take the head and bring it back uh, and put it okay. on a stake, right? And, uh, you know, this is a lot of war kind of conquest stuff. You know, take the head of the leader, or the, you know, and uh, bring it back, right? Or bury it or put it on a post. Or, you know, you see it in movies like Lord of the Rings, for example. Yeah. You know, too. They, you know, writers of Rohan put the head of the, of, you know, the Urukai on the, on the spear. Um, but it explicitly says this three day, three verses later. It says, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. Hmm. And he put his armor in his tent. Wait. So he put the head of Goliath and brought it to Jerusalem. And so he either put it on a, you know, on a spear or he buried it. Okay. Hmm. And so either way you have this place in Jerusalem where supposedly David took the head of Goliath and put it either in the ground or on a spear, you know, took it back home, right? Took it back to Jerusalem. Uh, hmm. And and what's interesting here when you say of Logos, when I go to that part, uh, you know, they cut off his head. Uh, what's interesting, God decapitated the Philistines' God on whom they relied in battle. See chapter 5, verse 4. Now David decapitates their champion. Notice hmm. just in chapter 5, in a couple chapters earlier in 1 Samuel, Dagon, where they bring the Ark of the Covenant. Uh. And they bring the Ark of the Covenant in, uh, you know, the Philistines captured it. And all of a sudden, yeah. their statue, their their idol falls and with a cut off head. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it, they saw it with its head cut off, Dagon. And then all of a sudden, you have David who literally cuts off the head of the giant. So it's like God, you know, it's like you have this yeah. parallel, like God conquering the God of Dagon and cutting off its head and then brings right you know raises up david to simultaneously cut off the human representation you know the giant wow. on earth cut off his head which that's crazy um, yeah and so then you know you have this as far as the valley uh yeah they to jerusalem so uh jerusalem did not yet belong to israel it was in jebusite hands and so david would later have to buy jerusalem from the jeb or you know have some deal with oh, the yeah. jebusites uh you know, tribe there. But what's interesting, yeah, David sees something that he brings it back and to Jerusalem. Um, and this would be a good time to go back to the whole deal with, um, you know, Abraham and Salem. So if you notice, wait, they sound kind of similar. Salem, Jerusalem. Well, yeah, it's the same city. So spoiler alert. So the same place that Melchizedek was. And also we, we just read about how, um, well, here, I'll do that. Yeah, Salem, King of Salem, Melchizedek. We also talked about with um, the sacrifice of Isaac, how he called that place Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Yira, right? Yira hmm. meaning, you know, God is our provider, right? Uh, notice Yira Shalem, Jerusalem. So you hmm. see this connective tissue between what Abraham calls the place uh, and the city, the small town that may have only been there with Melchizedek, Salem. And so you have Jerusalem. And mm. so the same place 
that Isaac was going to be sacrificed on a hill in Jerusalem, same place okay. he was blessed by Melchizedek, the priest king of Jerusalem, is the same place David brings the head of the giant, the Philistine, to Jerusalem. Hmm. Pretty crazy. That's pretty interesting. Pretty crazy, right? And so you're seeing this linkage happening here. And so now let's turn to uh, John 1.29. The next day, so this is John the Baptist in the Gospel of John, when Jesus shows up the scene. So now we're skipping right ahead to the New Testament. So you see this kind of line I've drawn here. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and, he's, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this links back to what we were talking about with him fulfilling Leviticus and the, the whole sacrificial thing. This goes to the Passover, which we were just talking about. You know, this goes to Abraham with him saying God will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. And lo and behold, where does he go? Well, let's go to Matthew uh, 27, 33. And when they came to a place called Golgatha, which means place of a skull, in some translations render it place of the skull, hmm. uh, regardless, which, so Jesus is crucified on a hill in Jerusalem, which is the place of a skull. I wonder what skull that might be. Hmm. Do you know what skull it is? Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't definitively say, but I mean, the whole Golgatha, you know, giant of Gath. Gol, Gath, yeah. Uh, where was Goliath from? From Gath. I mean, there's some uh, interesting word. word yeah. Place here. I don't <laughs> there's think there's Golgatha, some disconnect in there. Yeah, I don't think Golgatha itself means place of skull in translation, but you have Golgatha, and then the writer wants to link something here, says, which is, means the place of a skull. Hmm. Um, wink, okay. wink. Yeah, yeah. So we have some interesting stuff going on here. And then even going back to the whole John the Baptist thing. Uh, oh, actually, no. Yeah, Matthew thing. My bad. Matthew with Logos. Bible software, which, again, plug for uh, Logos Bible software. Golgatha, an Aramaic word, an Aramaic word meaning skull. So that's, yeah, that's pretty clear there. Uh, Golgatha, Aramaic word for meaning skull. Mm. And also the Latin word for skull is Calvaria. So this is where we get Calvary. Oh, okay. Because so the Bible they, was also translated in Latin, for those of you that don't know, it's called the Vulgate. So you had the Masoretic text, which is in Hebrew. You had the Septuagint, which was in Greek. And then that got translated into the Vulgate. And then we had the 1611 King James. Yeah, and so, so it says yeah. here, which the English word Calvary derives. So have you ever noticed the cross of Calvary? What does that even mean? Where does that come from? Well, that means yeah, the places, like Jesus was crucified on over the skull. And what's interesting is if we go back to uh, Genesis 3, 15, somehow the offspring or the seed of the woman will be crushing the head of the serpent or his offspring, right? So bruise your head. I mean, crush your head. Crush your head. Bruise your head. Crush your head. Some, some trends I say, bruise your head or crush your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Uh, I wonder, you know, where Jesus, how Jesus was crucified. Hmm. You know, his hands and his feet, which again, yeah. that parallels to Psalms when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's Jesus is quoting a Psalm, and if you, which starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And mm. if you go further in that psalm, it says, or you, uh, you know, pierce my hands and my feet. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting there with Jesus quoting. Do you remember which psalm? psalm? I know I'm terrible with that too. <laughs> yeah, I have to look that that you know, I'll okay. have to bring that out at another point. But regardless, Jesus, you see this prophetic, you know, this line between okay, Jesus being most likely, you know, again, this is like what other school is in Jerusalem here, being yeah. crucified over the head of Goliath. Somewhat in Psalm twenty two. Oh, Psalm twenty two. Okay. Nice. And he, you know, in order to breathe on a crucifixion. You have to push up with your heel to get a breath, and then you go back yeah. down. They push up, and so you literally your weight is resting on your heel that is being nailed to this cross. I've even heard some people. I can't remember who it was. They were talking about um, crucifixion and stuff, and they were saying that there's other evidence that uh, when you're crucified, that they didn't put your feet like overlapping on one another on a post, like uh, how it's on Passion of the Christ. There's uh, something that they found where there were holes on the sides of the cross. So it's like they had your legs separated and they drove a nail through both your heels or both your heels on either side of the cross. Hmm. So there's also in that theory, it still works because it's the nail going through your heel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, either. So that's yeah, interesting. Either way. Yeah. And so we're drawing a line from this Genesis three prophecy where then Abraham is sacrificing Isaac in the same place he was blessed by Melchizedek in Jerusalem. So mm -hmm. Isaac carrying the wood of the sacrifice as a grown man up this hill, being mm. the only son, Abraham, kind of this type and shadow yeah. of this sacrifice that you know will happen in the same place with Jesus, which then also fulfills what we know about the divine name, which if you look again at the really the hand behold the hand behold the nail, yeah, here, which is interesting nonetheless. And this is how he wants to be remembered forever. This is his name, Yahweh, to be remembered through all generations. Which then you get with this whole again, David and Goliath, who brings the head back, which we just covered with being in the same place, which then who is the uh the lamb that Abraham was talking about, the God will provide. On, in this place. He's at that place saying God will provide a lamb. And mm -hmm. we see John, oh, who is that lamb? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Bingo. And this just goes back to uh, Revelation where we covered you know, it's like, and you see like last week, and you see the God, you know, in the lamb, you know, God will yeah. the lamb. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just crazy imagery here. So you just see this prophetic really line good. where Jesus is being crucified the same place uh, Jerusalem. So he's being crucified in Jerusalem, the same place that uh, David, you know, brought the skull after killing Goliath. Right. The same place that Abraham brought Isaac to sacrifice, which fulfills again somewhat the divine name. If you know, you look at that. Yeah. You know, again, that's not a definitive thing because it's hard to nail it down. But I think it is interesting that God decided in His wisdom to communicate what His name would be somehow yeah. the nail in the hand. Uh, and again, that's linking back to Genesis three. That's very interesting. Yeah. So you just see this kind of line with the crucifixion where Jesus is literally, like you said, fulfilling the old Testament scriptures. And that's what we, that's what I get at whenever I'm talking about, um, when you study in the Bible, it takes a little bit of effort, but when you 
dig into it and you start looking at this stuff, you start seeing why all of this is meaningful and why it's important yes. to study because you can see all these connections and it's not just pointless stories mm-hmm. or pointless accounts of people's lives. Like they keep an account of it for a reason. Yeah. I mean, this is so cool. Hopefully that blows some of your minds. I think yeah. I do, we do both have material that we have prepared, but it's already two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> Maybe we can, so I think if you're cool with it, what we should, what we can do is have a part two. So next week we can do um, just cover the same stuff we already kind of prepared and yeah. we can do uh, episode four, you know, the sacrificial lamb part two. Okay. And well, that way, hopefully, you know, since that'll be less material, uh, like we just work with what we prepared the second mm-hmm. half of this, that maybe should be shorter episode next time. Yeah. Uh, hopefully with no technical issues. And then, <laughs> so we can dive into another really cool thing. Uh, yes. Which I found, but you know, I'm not going to give it away, but yeah. Yeah. That was Today. the one that blew my mind. I was waiting for it, but we'll wait some more. You'll have to wait till <laughs> next Tuesday. Next Tuesday for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully, let me see here. Yeah, we'll just we'll just talk about that, and it'll be a little more, I guess, discussion based since I already went through this whole kind of prophetic line here. So, yeah, Good Friday and the Cross. I guess it's good because it's like right before and right after Good Friday, talking about the atonement, the sacrificial yeah. lamb that Jesus. Like it'll all still tie together yeah yeah jesus is the lamb uh and yeah i'm excited to talk next week about some of the other stuff that yeah. uh i was going to dig into kind of pick but, up where we left off here so yeah. any final thoughts before we kind of we kind of go uh here? not really other than just like what i was saying with the um bible studies is you know uh that's why bible study is a good thing to do why it's important because it's like I said, it connects all these dots. You can see why all this stuff is important. It makes the Bible so much more interesting, and you learn things you maybe didn't know before. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it, it it only it doesn't make you. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good word. It doesn't make you worse. It makes you better. Uh, but I'm trying to think of something a better way to put that. Um, it makes you yeah. smarter. Doesn't make you dumber. I mean, it makes you you learn more about God. You don't learn less about God. It, it's only, there's only benefits, not negatives from studying yeah. all this stuff. So, and it only makes you yeah. a better Christian, strengthens your faith, you know, that kind of thing. So, Amen. and especially so, nowadays, there's so much misinformation about the Bible and there's so many people that put out so much stuff that's not true about mm-hmm. the Bible. And a lot of times, you know, they'll read the negative stuff or the other stuff that seems like it's well well researched and it's not really well researched. And it's it's one of those things where you gotta really know for yourself going back to uh Second Timothy uh, is it two fourteen or two fifteen, where it says study to show yourself approved. Oh yeah, or theme verse, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then um uh what was the there was the second one. Um oh yeah, being ready to and Peter, uh, be ready yeah, to give I a defense for your faith. Great. So especially nowadays, it's so much more important to actually know what you believe because it can be debunked so quickly and all that if you don't really know. Because even atheists, a lot of atheists know more about the Bible than we do. So um, if it, yeah. it's well, it's funny it's, it's funny how everybody always hates Christianity and everyone's always got beef with Christianity, but they don't got beef with the Greek pantheon or the Roman pantheon or all these other religions. It's always Christianity for some reason. Yeah, well, I mean, we know why, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, 
yeah, I think we'll end it there. We'll we'll cover the sacrificial lamb part two next Tuesday. Um, okay. And so I hope this was somewhat of a blessing. I had to rush through a little bit, so maybe I'll just kind of re- review and and maybe yeah. like go to deeper to what I kind of just explained with the prophetic line I just kind of drew there. Yeah. And, and here so, I was worried we would have ran out of content. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we never do. Uh, And so we have a lot more to talk about. But, yeah, hopefully you guys were blessed with some of that stuff, seeing kind of how Jesus fulfilled Old Testament scripture with Seth talking about fulfilling Leviticus, you know, fulfilling just the sacrificial motif that is seen throughout the Old Testament. Like Jesus was the sufficient sacrifice. And so, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys uh, next week. So, again, save questions for our Q&A episode. We'll have a whole thing on that. And so, yeah. Uh, God bless. Thank you, guys.